They, uh, he goes about his thing. She gets into her car. There's a dude trying to eat a fucking cheeseburger. Lunch on the road. There's a dude walking a hot, a hot dog cart. Uh, she accelerates out of her parking spot. She makes eye contact with Barry. They do it. Ladies and gentlemen, wear your fucking seatbelts. I don't care how classic your car is and how cool it is as a convertible. Wear your fucking seatbelts. Why is she starting out of this parking space without a seatbelt on? I don't know. And it makes right. me question how it's smart I was. You're doing the thing where you just stopped off for coffee, but your your office is right down the block. No, Nick. No, 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 stop, stop. Nick, this is not, not the, the side of this is the, not the lane you want to be in. I'm saying, I'm not saying you should no, do it no, just no. occasionally. Like I'm going to drive with my you no, drive with my knee. If you want to know how lame, if you want to know how lame Greg Miller is and how much I follow rules, if you're in a car parked, waiting for someone, put your seatbelt on. Because even though you're not moving, somebody else could easily sideswipe you and fuck you up. Don't do that. Never thought about it that way. If you're in the vehicle, wear your fucking thing. Nick, here's the thing. You go down, not that big of a loss. You do whatever you got to do, all right? But everybody listening to this who has their whole life in front of them, not another maybe good 10 years. Ah, okay. Maybe 15. <laughs> wasn't sure, where this joke, wasn't sure which, what route we were going to take to that one, but we got there in the end. It's, it's, it's interesting that there's two points in this movie where they're like, hey, pay attention to the road, because the dude drops a hamburger. He, he drops a beautiful looking burger for him. Yeah, right. I'm like, what a beautiful <laughs> one. Sing like the burger it. song. Sing the burger hey, song. Hey, you just bought that hamburger. Did you drop it on the fucking floor where you don't even have floor mats in your ugly, dirty truck? <laughs> hey, why don't you pick it up? It's probably still good. Oh, more. Just look down there. Just look down there and reach. Oh no, you just killed three people in a hot dog cart. It's a hot dog cart. Dog, dog, uh, and so, yeah, Barry sees it. No, that's a rephrase. He can, he, can, he can think about me recapping it. Uh, Barry sees all this happening and so puts it into slow-mo. And I, even though, yeah, the song is whatever, right? I think oh, I think all the song choices in this movie are whatever and weird for the most part. Like, still, the visual of Barry... Scooting his feet and the shoes just exploding in slow-mo. I fucking love. He runs and just, yeah, po- pokes the glass and it breaks like surface tension on water. He gets out there, grabs Iris, but he plants his feet and the asphalt rips up. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And, and then yeah, it I, just gets creepy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 you had the choice to, to cut this or edit this. Yeah. It's yeah. like. And they did still put this in the movie. I was you didn't like, need to, like, oh, uh, yeah. caress her family. Like, oh, God. And I don't know her. When he grabbed the meat stick, I was like, what, what, where is this going? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. is he going to yeah. eat this What's hot dog? What's he going to do with me? That had a cute moment, I think, at the, uh, at the end. Did it? No. This is a what's perfect example of answering questions that we're not asking. Well, it's like, oh, shit, what's he going to do with the hot dog? And the next scene, oh, that's what he do with the hot dog. I I thought it was fun. I thought I was like, oh, look at that. He gave the lady, you know, like... He, he, I like he, the entire explosion. I like the entire thing. I like I said, it is creepy in the center, yeah, where he grabs her and he's, like, staring at her eyes and shit. And, like, you're talking about Tim. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. But it does. He puts it down. He runs back in there. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, man, that was crazy. But look how good I am with dogs because I have a hot dog. And it's like, first off, those dogs are going to get this shit. Number two, wear your shoes, sir. <laughs> you had shoes when you came in here. Why are there piles of broken shoes in front of me? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The shoes are still in front of her. They just exploded. Exactly. The, why did my glass break from the outside or the inside out? Like, there's so many more questions. You should have run away from here. You should have yeah. given me a fake name or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <sighs> I think more egregious than any of it was just the music choice, though. Like... 
say I, I think it was equally as creepy. I thought the hot dog thing was dumb. It started off so cool, like what you mentioned at the start of this in review, Nick. What was that five hours ago when we started? Yeah. But oh it starts off amazingly with the breaking through the glass. I thought all of that was so badass, and I got those goosebumps. And I oh. thought the music choice was just so bad, and totally. it just didn't match with anything. And it really is just it's sequences like this that make me think Zack Snyder yeah. thinks that he's way cooler than he really is. It just it made me angry. Because it was a legitimately great moment. I was like, wow, you actually legitimately... And then the song kicked in, and I'm like, you just you just love to punch me, buddy. You just punch me right like that on that one. Uh, so, like, all that stuff just happens, we talked about. Uh, from there, uh, it's our friend Steffi. Uh, he's coming out of the ocean with some parody. Don't music. call him Steffi, please. Hey, everyone. He's my man now. Sorry. We're, my too deep in the, we're, too deep into we're too deep into the review. <laughs> Steffi's the man now. Uh, and he's just beating the shit out of these Atlanteans. And the one mafia Atlantis like, no, no true Atlantis, son or daughter of Atlantis, whatever, tell you where the fuck is. And he's like, I don't fucking need you. Now, I think this is a slam dunk, but I haven't Googled it to make sure. Kevin, I'll let you fact check me on this. The, he then has the little robot thing come down and clamp onto its head. That's their version of Starro, right? Because I popped for this fucking oh, thing well, being Starro, and Star-O? I was like, holy shit. Starro? Starro? What is that? Starro? Starro is more. Say it more, motherfucker. Starro's a Justice League villain that's an alien unto itself that you've seen it before where I, I've always wanted to do it as a Halloween costume where it latches onto their face and it looks like a starfish with an eye on it. Oh, I, I think that's Justice what this League. is and I think this is their version of it. And if it's like, not, it, it, it was, it's cool enough to me that that's what I'm calling it. I doubt it, is, it actually is it because uh, Starro supposedly is in the Suicide Squad. Oh. Maybe it's so, but again, from this. this was, yeah, I was going to say, this is years before, right? And Zach wouldn't have changed his mind for this yeah. and whatever. For me, it looked enough like Star that I was like, that's fucking cool for me. Uh, but what it does is, of course, reads their mind. And, oh, there's, thank you. That's where the Atlantean thing is. Don't need you. <laughs> Steffi just tosses them aside. You know what I mean? Guy, yeah, was, um, like, I mean, out of nowhere, this movie gets, like, brutal. Where, like, he throws him into a rock and it splats his brains. Yeah, And he's on the yeah, stage. Yeah. Of, like, half a lot. They say out of nowhere it gets brutal. Remember, Wonder Woman did <laughs> evaporate yeah, a man. But we, <laughs> but we didn't see that. A you know normal I mean? like, man. You didn't see the man suddenly become. Some fucking vapor. Sure, sure, that's fair. You didn't see that. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, real quick, we get a scene of Lois back home mourning. She's got a little trunk. It's got Superman's bloody cape in it. She's got a bunch of his press pass. And she's like, man, I miss Clark Kent. Uh, from there. That's her whole character. That's it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Eventually we'll get to it. Oh, uh, don't spoil it. I guess it's coming up here. Uh, yeah, you know, this, coming you love, scene. you think about them a lot, all right? Come on. Have a little sympathy, for God's sakes. Kevin, you know lost a turtle. Ten years from now, when I go, I you're gonna miss it. Oh, okay. No. Uh, now it is. Hold on, it's my first <laughs> time. I need to pause. It's a, it's a nice moment. You know what I mean? It's a little quiet for a second. The this is our intermission uh, for kind of funnies in review part one. Go go take a pee, everybody. Take mm-hmm. your pee right now. If you need to take a little poop, poop, go ahead. But take us in there. Poop, poop, poop. You pooping right now? Um, I can go in the bathroom and try. Not you. The the listener, the viewer. Um, We're back to Bruce and Diana. Uh, They're catching back up on all the supers. This is where uh, uh, Bruce is like, yeah, couldn't get Aquaman. You know, he does the funny line, right, of like, Oh uh, yeah, he's kind of in. How in is he? Is he more in or is he more in, more in or less in or whatever? He's like he's not in. He's not in. Um, then they have the moment where they touch hands, trying to touch the mouse. Like oh oh oh. It's like yeah, double down on that. Uh, yeah. They agree. 
they agree that uh, Bruce Wayne's going to go to Central City and get Barry. Uh, Wonder Woman will worry about the fourth, uh, the Cyborg. Um, from there, we jump to Cyborg, and this is the backstory segment for Cyborg. Uh, he is, is still in his room, still moping about Gotham City, looking out the window. He sees some kids playing football, and he's like, I remember when I played football. In fact, do-do-do-do, And we're back to him you know, uh, going out there, and he's got a huge game. And it's snowing, Andy, and they're playing. It looks like they're playing for the Steelers, but they're not playing for the Steelers. And they're like, oh, I don't oh know, that was a college football game, thousand percent. A lot of oh, people. No, no, I know it is. I know it is. Drunk and hungover in the crowd already. They've been tailgating since fucking 9 a.m. right now. And apparently in this game, it is midnight, and they're electricity problem at the stadium. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where it all gets intermixed, right, where he has this huge plan, he runs in for the touchdown, he looks up and mom's there, but dad's not. But at the same time, we're also told another narrative thread, which I already referenced, of the whole, like, your son's a certified genius, but he can't change his friend's grades. And she's like, well, that friend, uh, was, her parents are losing their house. What would you have done? And he's like, nothing. I wouldn't have changed her grades. Like, that's bad. Why Maybe is that matter? <laughs> yeah, can we give her, like, a semester like for free or something, but I wouldn't have gone in. And so, uh, uh, then it's back in the car on the ride home. Dad isn't there and he doesn't love me. And he's got the tear and he does look way too old to be having this conversation. Again, uh, I think Ray Fisher does a great job as Cyborg, especially in this movie. I just, I agree. We talked about it earlier. He looks old in this thing. And he's like, well, you know, whatever, maybe we get a cheeseburger. Oh no. And car hits him. Um, from there, we're in the and hospital. Pay attention. You know what I mean? Like don't drive and not pay attention to the road. This wasn't going to happen. Car. Well, this wasn't her fault. It looked like the truck ran no, over. No bullshit. She, yeah, but like she was looking at him. Kevin, they made it very clear. She's a doctor. She's she a doctor. She's, mm. a, she's a doctor. She needs to be a no doctor right or drive-in. Do you yeah. want to stop this whole thing and go watch her for this fucking scene and see whose fault yeah. it is? Fine. Yeah. We'll yeah. do it. She's it's a doctor. doctor. Are, we are, are, we, are we sponsored by AAA? Andy, what's up, she Is she or is she not a doctor that doesn't know right from wrong because she wants to allow her son to, like, break into stuff and change grades. She I'm thinks watching right now. Everybody, do. if you want to watch with me, I'm at one hour and 20 minutes on the dot. I wouldn't doing trust it. her trying to take my body. They're going, they're driving. I don't know how much further. He wanted to be here. He, you she always say right. that. She looks Ma, right. Ma, you got to stop making excuses. They're in motion the entire time. So you think she ran the red light? Or you... Someone Possibly. ran a red light. We're not going to point fingers. I know he's proud light. of you. It may have been <laughs> at a certain point. Hey, uh, hey, at hey, a certain hey, point later, though, crying. he goes. He tells his dad, he's like, "If you had been there, mom would have never died." I'm yeah, like, you know, I didn't get that either. You don't know that at all. You don't know that because you died. Both people, everyone in the car died. Right. So, no. if, Kevin, if I'm at one twenty thirty-three. One twenty thirty-three. There's another car also going through the intersection at the same time she is. It's clearly this truck's fault. Well, clearly, there's two people in the red light. Which way is she looking? Yeah, Greg. What do you we mean? Two people running left. Is what she you looking at the No, no, no. Tim, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, so everybody stand by. So there are two cars going like this, all right? Two. The the she DeLorean the DeLorean is Cyborg and his mother. This okay. Ecto one is another car. They're going like this, right? And as yeah. the Ecto one clears the intersection, the Ecto one A from Ghostbusters two, it comes like this and smashes no, that's in. Confusing. Comes that's, there it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, I only have no, so many matchbox many, cars here, I all right? Can't track how many, which Ecto one is one way is she looking? She's looking straight ahead because she's leaving it. She's going through an intersection. You're a fucking liar. We are a liar. Look at I already told you the exact time code. One twenty. Twenty four. 
2025, she touches his chin. I've moved on. I've moved on. Uh, yeah, I know. It's easy for you to move on, Andy, but not for me, all right? Somebody's out here saying that Dr. Stone is a bad driver, and that person is Kevin, one of the worst drivers I've ever met. And you're going to sit here and tell me? Take that it I don't back, listen you to his? Bitch. Take it back. I've, I've How many times do you... She's right. Like, I just saw one twenty thirty. She's driving for solid five seconds without looking at the road. Yeah. That's bad driving. I'm not saying the accident's her fault, but I'm pretty sure it is. I get scared when I sneeze driving. I, I get scared driving. For sure, for sure. Just close your eyes. Yeah. That's why I slow down. Um, enough about this. I'm right, and everybody knows it, so you can go nope, check it if you want to. All. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to um, hear about Motion Manhunter. We're getting there. Uh, oh, so, okay, the accident happens, and then we jump to the hospital where uh, the other Dr. Stone, uh, Silas, shows up, and she, the, the other doctor who doesn't have a name is just like, listen, uh, your wife, dead. Your son, also going to die. Probably going to die. He doesn't have any legs, genitals, or a left arm, and his face is also pretty fucked up, too. Like, how and are they keeping like, him alive at this point? That's what I want to know. Like, when well, like, no, it gets better. It gets it better, right? It gets but way better because he, he walks in and he's organs. like, no, I won't let him go. I won't let you die. At which point, the doctors are like, all right, get a garbage bag out of your son. How does he get his kid out? You have a toboggan or some sort of sleigh that you can pull him over there with? All right, put him in a trash bag. We're sneaking him out. What I like to imagine, Greg, is that you put him in those little harnesses that you carry babies in, like in those little things, but it's just like his son's torso, upper torso. And then, oh, my gosh, the sequence where he flies on the roof of the first Yeah, yeah, so we get out of this, and now we're back to where we currently are, and it's, yeah, Victor is it all on his dad? This is your fault. Mom would be alive. Yada, yada, yada. And he won't look at him. And, and Silas like, listen, that's not 100% true. I try to say because I love you. But even if you you don't want to look at me, fine. Maybe you'll listen to me. And he puts his tape recorder down and he leaves. Victor plays the tape. And, yeah, this is the whole, the tip of the you're The strength is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Like you have uh, you know, flight. You can control the fucking nukes. Uh, you can hack like Robin Hood and do all this shit. This? How would he know this? And why would, why... Do we need another character to tell us this? This is what I I, I, I hate when the I mean this happens a lot in this movie, but like he needs to figure that stuff out for himself. That is what that is the journey that we go on with this character. Like a, a great moment would have been him walking up to the ship and going, "Wait, the, the ship's talking to me. How do you know? I don't know. It's just talking to me and it's saying it needs a software update." And we see him do that, and that's how his powers grow. Having his dad literally just start narrating all the things. And tell the audience what he can and can't do is just so fucking cheap. It's and lazy. also, yeah. it's happening as he's trying to lift off for the first time. And it's like somebody watched Iron Man and was like, we could do that. And then when they shot the scene, they were like, we can't, we can't well. do that. We did not nail it. We yeah. didn't do it. <laughs> But as we said, he gets all his powers and learns what he can do, and he hacks into the ATM, and rather than just hacking into the ATM, they make it look like he's in the ATM, and he sees a visualization of everybody's money, and he sees this waitress who's trying to make ends meet, but she's getting stiffed on tips, and he's like, you know what, I'll take all the money from up here, and you're the Gotham City Bank's number one thousand customer. But do we we also get a representation of the, like, American currency versus... Russian currency because there's like a bear and a bull fighting. No, those are the stock market. That's yeah, stock market. Stock market. Okay. It, it made yeah. even less. Because like Merrill Lynch, I assume yeah. like oh the Merrill Lynch no. bull. Like that's kind of no, what. No, no, no. But <laughs> I, I know that imagery. You know what I mean? But 
Fair and bull, yeah. yeah. The, Basically what happens, oh, though, is God, Cyborg God, is yeah. established as the strongest character on the Justice League in the world right now. He can do all this crazy shit. And then a parademon shows up outside his window, and he's like, oh, he's, the, oh. he's wearing his fucking gym clothes, looking like Nick in this sweatshirt. Oh, my God. He's so cold. He right? turned into a gun. He yeah, and he didn't know how to do it. He's surprised by that. He's surprised yeah, by that. That's yeah. the defense mechanism as well. Can't control oh. it. But also, I mean, how, the fuck, how the fuck did old lady and the little kid not see him standing watching? Yeah, them? that's the other thing too. If they're making it seem like he's like in the he's in the net, but no, he's yeah. like standing there looking at them at the ATM, and then it turns around and creeps out a bunch of people. Yeah, uh, the parademon gets scared off by some homeless people and the police. Okay, Wait, sure. Well, why not? Do, I guess. Do we think that from now on that woman is hitting up every single ATM to do a transaction? To be the one hundred. No, I think I think honestly, what happens is she lives for a good two days, very happy, until the police knock on her door and go, "Hey, um, well, you know, you have a thousand dollars that got stolen from someone else's account uh, and got put into your account. You, you need that, to put that back." You you think the world cares way more about things than they do? No one's noticing that. That went under the radar. Some super billionaire probably lost hundred thousand. Won't know. Maybe someone loses their job for this. Very I like unlikely. to think of it. In the terms of the the classic movie Hackers, where it's actually not stolen from one account, Kevin, it's just a half a cent from like uh, like millions of accounts. Sure, like, could put it her. Yeah, you wouldn't notice it. Um, from there we go back to Barry, oh, who goes to see his uh, <laughs> dad, and they were referencing Superman Four, right? Were they? Yeah, the Richard Pryor scheme from Superman 4. Uh, we go back to Barry, who's seeing his dad in prison, and his dad's like, listen, just fucking let it go, all right? Yeah, I, it's time. Thank you very much. Uh, let it go. We got to fucking bounce. This isn't about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this, you just go. Live your life. I'm holding you back. I'm a drag on you. And Barry's like, no, man, I'm going to fucking prove you're innocent dad. And he's got a million fucking jobs he keeps taking on because he's got to make ends meet. He's, 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 he's like, hey, you can be anything you want. Like, you're so smart. you but you you can't be a lawyer, like that's not yeah. gonna work out for you. But like, but no, that's he's, a real that's a real role that he could take in the world, right? Yeah, be, yeah. Like, he's, he's like, he's like, what are you up like, to? He's like, well, I'm trying to save enough money to go to law school. And that's like, you're wasting uh, your life, kid. It's like, that's a real <laughs> no, role. I want to be a fucking lawyer. I'm super passionate about getting you out of jail. It's gonna lead me to this amazing career in law. Like, also, I'm ready real yeah. fast. Yeah. Done. Um, took the bar. Barry bounces. Barry goes back to his weird uh, warehouse um, squatters uh, den or whatever. Cool. It's cool. But it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and he goes in there and he's got all the electronics and he turns on the light. And it's uh, this is pretty much exactly what we saw from the Weed and Cut. I like this. Of, yeah, me too. Uh, Bruce Wayne being in the chair. Bruce Wayne, uh, Barry Allen. He's like, you say that like I'm supposed to, you know, not be creeped out that you're sitting in my chair. Or I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm supposed to say like you're not sitting in the dark in my chair. Uh, they have a little thing where he calls him out, or Bruce Wayne calls him out on being the Flash. Obviously, uh, he's very much like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. He's like, oh, this is the nice suit. You know, you got these same panels as the uh, 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 space shuttle. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. yeah so you, you when you go through, you, get, you don't get the heat or whatever. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I like, I competitive ice uh, dancing. Uh, very competitive ice dancing. Yeah. Eventually, though, throws the batarang, very slow motions, sees it, looks at him, sees it's the same thing Tim hated from the last one, sees it, looks at him, looks at him, looks at it, looks at it, looks at it, you know, and finally grabs it out of the air and puts it all together and calls him on to be Batman or whatever. Cool scene. Uh, I, but I, I know Tim. Is, are you in the same place you were from the last one, Tim? Of just I mean, why yeah. it so long? Yeah, and also I just like I enjoyed the Flash's character in the last movie, and I just I really think he's out of place in this one. I I, I do want to say that I like. Every sequence with Ezra Miller as Flash 
are so close to being really good. Yeah. And I there's agree. just always a line here or there that throws me off. Like I, I don't like the can I keep this by the way? Like I don't really give a shit about that line at all. And then we get the possibly uh, one of the dumber changes I think right here where in the Whedon cut they get to the nice Mercedes and we see that product placement of the Mercedes steering wheel with how the HUD looks and everything so and it looks badass. But in the Whedon cut, there isn't this stupid fucking, like, hip-hop beat in the background. And in here there is. And it really just reminds me of the episode of Breaking Bad where they play the dubstep and show the two cars that walk oh, yeah, yeah, Wall yeah. Jr. That's what this sequence reminds me of here. In the Whedon cut, there was no cheesy music. But in Snyder cut, it's, you know, what, so what's your superpower? I'm rich. And it's playing the... It's so fucking lame. I just rolled my eyes like fast forward, please. I don't want to see this anymore. Um, yeah, I, I do like the scene. I mean, we've already talked about this in the other Justice League, but of him eating the pizza, explaining how many you know calories he has to eat all the time. He's a black hole. Um, they ride off. Black hole. I just say that doesn't matter. Uh, from there, then it's a new scene of uh, Wonder Woman and Alfred uh, hanging out in their bat cave, and her trying to make tea, and Alfred trying to help. And she's like, "I got it," and then she's just not making tea the way Alfred does. And it's fun to see the Alfred character be like, "Okay, okay. like you know what I mean? Like, of like you're not doing this right." Yeah, I'd have been like, I'd have been like, bro, I'm I'm a fucking thousand years old. Like, I know how to make myself a cup of tea at this point. I, I mean, honestly, all she had to do was turn to him and be like. And he's like, fuck, I'm sorry. Don't, yeah. Please don't evaporate me. <laughs> the breeze. He's like, I'll fucking do you it. Let shit, me bro? make tea my way, all right? Fucking blow you uh, up. No one ever knows you She sits you back down to the computer, and it's uh, Cyborg hacks in. Like, and rather than be the whole thing like in the Wheaton cut, was like, why are you looking for me? Yada, yada, yada. It's literally just meet me here right now. Come do it. Uh, so she goes and meets him there. Uh, he, he's on the street. Uh, he's got his duffel bag. Uh, and uh, she tries to connect with him on her loss. And I lost somebody, too, and I know what it's like, and this is the whole thing we were talking about earlier with, like, uh, you know, oh, you, your gifts. And he's like, if these are gifts, why am I paying for them? And he also says, the fuck the world, when she's like, the world needs to fuck the world. Uh, but then, why? That doesn't make any sense. The world needs to fuck the world, except for that waitress that I just helped out and all the people that I really want to help out. Like, his character is just so fucking And she referenced intense. that, of course. You asked to meet me, so I think you're working on it, too, the same way I'm working on uh, trying to be better or whatever. Uh, but then he bounces, and he goes and buries the mother box in his own grave. Again, maybe maybe seven inches. <laughs> maybe yeah. seven inches down. A raccoon's going to come by and get the fucking mother box and be all r- super raccoon. Cyber raccoon. I will say, so I haven't seen the second half of this movie, so I don't know where it goes. But I'm really excited to see how they handle the Superman thing. Because I remember in the other one... Uh, having Cyborg and the Flash kind of just grave digging was really weird. Yeah, because so, they never acknowledged it or whatever. They were just like, yeah, we're digging. This is neat. And they had a weird conversation while doing it. It was like, oh, shit, yeah. this offer as fuck. So I'm excited to see. I'll get there. I'm close. No, I'm close. I don't think I'm missing anything. It's now the weird scene. Oh, you guys haven't seen the rest of the movie. It's the weird scene all the same, though, of, like, uh, Ryan at Star Labs being like, oh, man, you were right. If we beam this thing with radiation or whatever, it heats up. And he's like, wow, that's neat. All right, see you later. I'm going home. And Silas goes home and finds the whole place fucking wrecked, right? He's like, oh, man. And then he goes to look for the box, and then uh, the parademon grabs him. Yeah, Kevin? I was saying, that was really random, right? They're like, oh, this thing gets really hot. Yeah, I'm sure, literally, I'm sure I mean, you want to talk. I was going to say, in, you want to talk about, like, yeah. the, as you know, so many, all of us have talked about, and Nick especially, like, the subtlety of Z- Zack Snyder and what he can do. Like, he'll give you 
I, what was it? I don't even know. Seven minutes of slow-mo of Ezra Miller running around and saving Iris. And then he's like, oh, well, this will be an important plot point. Just shove it right in here out of the blue. <laughs> like, all right. This thing heats up if you do this thing to it. All right. I'm going home. The, hottest, the core of this thing is the hottest thing on earth right now is what he said. And I was like, that's weird. What does that mean? Well, and then why the do I ends, care? And I go, okay. I guess I don't have to worry about that. And, and then after this, we get Commissioner Gordon kind of <laughs> looking at the picture of the parademon. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy. Do you have somewhere to be? Uh, Andy was trying to help you, Greg. I'm just trying to help out. Why are you trying to help out? I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly where I fucking was. I mean, you so paused there so for about you. three minutes, silent a little while hey, ago. Hey. That was a long time ago when I talked about Ryan and the Heat. Jesus. Don't, don't make this Andy's origin story and make him really angry. I don't want to hear him say fuck the world, okay? He's just trying to uh, help, Greg. It's too late. It's Steppy. What is it? What do you call Steppy? Steppy. Yeah, Steppy Andy. It smell your mother's box. All right. Anyway, oh, yes, Andy is correct. We go God. to the GCPD where Commissioner Gordon is walking like, around. It's J.K. Simmons. God damn. What an underutilized part of this film. What an underutilized character in the DCEU. Uh, him looking through it. He walks in. He gets a giant thing of messages. Uh, the guy walks over and he's like, hey, man, flying man- monsters that look like Batman are attacking. Here are the things. And he has some good lines. Of like, yeah, mom, why go to? Why I shouldn't go to dental school. I should go to be a police officer or I also like the um, one where he's like, he's like, you know, they talk about it. He's like, you know who this looks like, right? He's like, dude, he's been fighting crime in Gotham City for 20 fucking years. Like, why would he start kidnapping people? Yeah, you think he went to Metropolis tonight to, to kidnap eight people? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I'll, I'll talk to him. And he's like, how? Which is like, literally, I just established Batman's been around for 20 fucking years. How? Yeah. And you go home. Here's what I'll say. Um, the biggest, the biggest, I think, uh, one of the saddest things to come out of the series is that we'll, we, we will never get the Ben Affleck, uh, Batman with J, uh, J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Cause I like the visuals here. I like how this, and this feels really cartoony and like comic booky to me in a good way. And I just, I like it all. I like everything that they did. With this part. It's that thing of you, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Flash movie, but it would be cool to see, like, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman interact with this uh, Commissioner Gordon going forward or whatever it's going to be, or that's going to play out. Who knows? Well, we have this one. So, like, one of the criticisms I had of, of the Nolan verse or the Nolan Batman was that every time Batman did anything, he just would, like, walk in and out of the scene, right? So, like, every yeah. time he – when when Gary Oldman would call him, he, Gary Oldman would just turn around and Batman was, like, standing two feet away from him, like, ah, here, and so close that you could actually see who it is if, unless you were complete and totally ridiculous. Um this is so cool. I love how he he throws up the signal. And we're not even there yet. Oh, we're not there yet. If you want, if you want, we can talk about it. No, I don't mind. No, we'll we'll get there when we get there. I just I just like how they intro and outro Batman. He just does Batman. Oh, totally. Stuff oh my god, it's so really amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, you fan service and being able to set up a shot. Um, how do you think? And then from there, ra- rather than go there, we get um um we get. Uh, uh, the demons uh, dropping people off in their little holding chamber or whatever that they're right. kidnapping people and putting them in there, not killing them like I said earlier. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, we get Barry and Bruce uh, returning in their plane, Wonder Woman meeting them, having a quick little interchange there, and then the bat sim- signal <laughs> happening and Barry being like, "Oh, it's your thing." I'm sorry, it's your thing. That's you. We need to go. And he's like, "No, mm, yeah, no." Then I, I'm trying sorry. to like skip around here, Greg, because uh, I have the movie up as well. And I swear, I click one pixel, and it's 30 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then uh, this is where the Atlantean stronghold gets attacked. Uh, You know, they have their mother box. 
uh, because Steppy did Starro to the other Atlantean he knows. They all come in there. They just fucking people up. They kill a whole bunch of people. Uh, Mira tries to do it, but she gets fucked up. This is where I think when she does the... You know what I mean? She's talking underwater to people that way, uh, like you were talking about, Nick. Did she suck the water out of his face? Like out of yeah, blood. Some blood. That's cool. yeah, blood. That was cool. That was, that was awesome. dope. Right? Yeah, I like that a lot too. More of that. Uh, and then Aquaman shows up, uh, you know, fulfilling what the Green Goblin wanted him to do. Like, it's definitely just a pause for a second. I'm sorry, we're going no, very, very long, but I love we're it. We're having a great time. It's definitely one of those things, guys. If if I have to go fight Steffi, right? Yeah, Steffi. And it's just Steffi. you, me. It's now Steffi. Steffi, right? <laughs> if Steffi is invading our real world, and you guys are my team, right? And I'm like, we need more, we need some heavy hitters. And one of y'all knows someone that can literally suck the moisture out of a, out of a person's body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. call them up. Yeah. What, are they, what are they doing? Nobody nobody that, Many of them like, we can't. Literally, we saw Aquaman meet this woman, and like, they had a two minute conversation. Yeah, so but he, he fought with he her, can... and he knows she can fight. And I'm just saying that, I'm just saying this. Okay. Maybe. Couple extra, we can bring a couple extra Atlanteans with us. These guys, you kind of want like the Endgame thing. No, it's a good. Well, point. I just yeah. say, like, like, we know I, for sure that we need Superman, but it, would it hurt to have Amber Heard come on the like, team? Give a little know? bit, of, give a little bit to the Justice League, Zack Snyder. Uh, he, I mean, that seems like that's Bruce Wayne's plan, right? He doesn't know that Aquaman has no, like, no ties with the Atlanteans, right? Right, but if I'm Aquaman, I'm like, I gotta go fight this guy. Maybe I'll bring these other cool warriors. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the like dude who taught me how to fucking everything. fight with a trident could come also wreck some shit for a little bit, too, right? Like, where'd Wilma Fogo? Oh, yeah. He's, he's too busy hanging out with Steve. He got sent home because he wanted to smite someone. This scene is violent, though, man. It is violent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. not only the blood getting sucked out of his face, but just yeah, all the people. Yeah, fighting, all yeah. of the the blood just you know going all throughout the ocean is a really cool effect. I guess these Atlanteans didn't last very long against them, right? The, the, I will say though that this this sequence is very very odd because it when when Steffi <laughs> when Steffi is initially in the sequence he is moving so quickly he is moving so quickly through this water he looks unstoppable and then when they first and then when they face off one v one with Aquaman it looks like they both have never really swam a whole lot. Like, <laughs> they don't really feel fast anymore. But in this intro sequence, he's just fucking destroying people left and right, swimming to people, and yeah, uh, it, it's really bizarre that how different the girl, sequences like, are. really beat the shit out of him. I think getting that much water sucked out of you, probably oh, yeah, totally. your brain's not making the connections as fast anymore, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Worst hangover is life, you know? It's toxic. It's good. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he gets the box. He bounces away. Amber Heard has this weird conversation that doesn't match up with Aquaman movie. We'll see both in terms of the, her accent and in terms of the content she says. Um, also, how, like, fucking, how fucking dumb when he throws the axe at, at Jason Momoa. In the, at, he throws it at approximately three miles per hour. And it's just water spinning man. through water. Momoa's just like... And he's got, he's got like five moves. You know what I mean? Like, he's not prepared for what? He doesn't have... This is, uh, I know he's out of his element, but good lord, dude. you got to be a bit more prepared than just, like, fuck it. This is my only plan. <laughs> like, uh, from there, we go back to Cyborg, who comes home uh, and finds that everything's smashed up uh, and his dad's missing. Uh, and then he sees the bat signal go up in the air. Uh, then we go from there to Steppy, back at Chernobyl. 
where he puts the two boxes together. Uh, and then uh, uh, we talk to Desaad again. And Desaad's like, you got all three of them? He's like, no, I got two of them. He's like, fuck off, man. And he's like, listen, I got parademons. They got a whole bunch of people. They've been smelling people all day long. And they got a whole bunch of people that, that smell good, Desaad. You and he's like, go, like go, in, go interrogate those people. And he's like, fine, I'll fucking go interrogate those people. Kill then, ladies and gentlemen, part four, change machine begins. All right. We're making it. Oh, making it wait, also, also, Cyborg saw that his dad had been. Yeah, he already said that. You gotta listen. Oh, so I swear to fucking god, no, 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 you're like, oh, let me get it. Let me get a jump started. Let me get it. We were already Andy, moving. We already passed bad, the part, bad. and then you show my up bad. right now. That's like the horse just kicked you in the head, and you wake up and you're like, oh, are we talking about Joss Whedon cut still? I got my I got my water and blood sucked out of my head. I'm sorry. Did you guys just see Kevin? No, what did he do? He walked away. That was the most insane fucking visual effect I've ever seen, and I cannot wait to watch this when it's live. He just oh, walked he away. He still got his green screen shit out. Yeah, he like switched <laughs> out of fucking. Yeah, that was crazy. Andy, why do you say it like that? Like you don't think it's crazy? All right, come on, it's crazy. Tim's right. Tim's right. It's crazy. Jim Gordon throws on the bat signal. Uh, then, like you're talking about, Nick, we get the thing where he's really standing cool. there, and we have the plastic tarp waving, and then it waves down, it waves up, and there he is, Batman, standing awesome. up there waving. Fucking awesome. That's what Even you better, do if you want to be the bat. Batman drops down, and uh, then Wonder Woman and Flash join him, and he does one of these things. Like, how many of you are there, Batman? Not enough. Not enough. Um, they, I would call they, it they, for her. No, she sucks blood. And, she sucks blood and she has a really cool power. Uh, so we don't know whenever. No, no, we got a hammer. We're not quite no, sure if that's no, cool. No, no, no. Um, uh, Gordon presents all the information, and he's like, "Hey, uh, eight Star Labs people are missing." And the Cyborg shows up, and he's like, nine <laughs> The head of Star Labs just got kidnapped." And they're like, "Oh my god!" And Wonder Woman's like, "You showed up." That's great. I like to give you guys a yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If you've made it this far, you deserve a treat. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh God! We told you not to do that. Anyway, uh, oh, so that like, hey, all these people are getting kidnapped, and Gordon's like, Jimmy Jitlickers, I can't find any kind of pattern. They're all just getting snatched up. And Batman and the group take group take one look, like, oh, it's, it's Strikers Island. These are all events that go back to Strikers Island. Uh, you know, Strikers Island from Man of Steel, where he died, and there was things, and Lois almost drowned. That's where we're going. We're going to Strikers Island. And Gordon's like, well, of course, Strikers Island. All right. And he's like, that's interesting. Yada yada yada. And then he looks up, and everybody's gone except for Flash. And Flash goes, well, they really do just disappear. Rude. And he shoots off to you. And we get a think of Jim Gordon like, <laughs> these characters. Those kids. Uh, from there, we're right into the vents. Uh, we have uh, uh, Steffi is there now. Or, sorry, Steffi is there now. And she is interrogating all sorts of the Star Labs people, asking, like, what's going on? Where, you know, where's the fucking thing? They got Starros on their face. None of them fucking know. Of course, um, no idea. Yeah, and then uh, Bat- the Justice League shows up in Batman's spider tank, and they get out, and they're like, all right, we're going to go in there and do the fucking thing. Uh, it's pretty by the numbers here in terms of them talking about what they're going to go do, right? I'm going to say anything. They're just like, we're going to go in there. We're gonna oh, my get God. It, right? Oh, my God. And then they walk up three flights of stairs. <laughs> you need to see it. You need to see it. With a you cool ass song, though. I don't even remember what the song was. And Ben Affleck is just sweat, just trying to get up the fucking stairs. <laughs> oh my god! Why would you leave that in? You don't need to see them climb. Just cut to the what fucking editing is for. No, you can't cut edit the top it. of the stairs. Mm-mm. That's the fun part. Eventually, 
Nick Fury. Right, no, and then when they save people later, he's like, get in there, oh, so bad. Get so in there, save those people. And Ray Fisher just kind of slowly walks them, as if he doesn't have anywhere better to be. Slowly walks them out of the room and then slowly walks them up out of the thing. It's you're, all, saying, you're putting on Ray Fisher and the Flash is just speeding ahead going, come on, guys, come on, guys, come on, yeah. guys. It's like oh, fucking God. grab somebody. Grab, you could, what are you talking about? The Flash, three seconds, all nine people up the fucking stairs. He's so, the Flash for Christ. I'm so fucking sick of the Flash. I'll tell you why I'm fucking sick of the Flash. Really? Why are you sick of the Flash? Why did you waste this whole goddamn sequence to poke back Diana's sword to her as if poking the sword back to her was going to result in any sort of cool thing. You got her sword back to her, and she landed with it. That's all that fucking happened. Yeah. What you could have done is gotten any shard Grab of anything sword, stab and somebody. stab Steppenwolf's stab fucking Steppen. head. You're so fast, dude. Steppenwolf does not have the powers of super speed. It's not like the Superman sequence we're going to see later. This, like, Steppenwolf oh, is... Oh, good. So oh will we? Oh, fuck. You know, we're not going to... I hope so. That was, a, that was the only good thing about the last one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think I, st- I started this off by saying I think this scene was equal to the other one. I think I'm wrong. I think I think the theatrical cut had the action of that was better. Because there's a moment, remember, when he stumbled and then and, and Batman saves him from, like, falling to his death, basically, right? Isn't that the whole point? Like, he pushes her sword back. She keeps fighting people. He stumbles, and then Batman grappling hooks him and, like, swings him back up out of the thing. And it's, like, them gelling as a team together. Also, I think there's there equal was that stupid moment. parts in both one. Oh, one you're right. I like the Snyder one. You're more. right. Because what I didn't like about the Whedon thing was, like, how did ba- how, why does Batman have super speed now? How can you see, you know, Flash running yeah, at the speed of light? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he saw him stop running and, like, falling, and he caught him. But then in the, in the, in the original one, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, I haven't seen it in a while, but we do have that moment where Flash is running in and grabbing people and pulling them out, which makes a lot yeah. more sense. Well, that, so that was the, the buildup where he's like, just save one and everything just else will make sense. save one and then sense. you'll which figure it out. Yeah. I cut, like, I missed from this. I missed one. that part. I did. Yeah. But like, that, I think that that's the only moment so far where I'm like, well, that sucks. I like that little development there of him being new and not, like, knowing what he's doing. I can't wait for them to do the penultimate, like, the, oh, the ultimate cut. Where it's not the Snyder cut, it's not the Whedon cut, it's just like a, a two and a half hour version of all the good parts of them, and then it'll still make no sense. So, all that happens. Um, uh, Batman's in the spider tank, and he's like, my turn, he starts shooting shit and shooting people. Um, I, we skip past it. I really in, I liked the Steppenwolf Wonder Woman fight when they got into it in the very beginning and they, they were going at it, she slams them through the wall and they brawl a bit and then they both land on the catwalk and like the parademons come in and he's like, no, this one's mine. And he also yeah. calls out the fact of like, oh, an Amazon, but stronger than your sisters. Like he can sense. He, says, he, he has a great sense of smell. Yeah, he, he says one of my favorite lines is, you have the blood of the old gods, and it's like, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. How scared you got to be if you're Batman, though, and you're like, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna kick so much ass. I'm gonna kick so much ass in this Nightcrawler thing, uh, Spider Bot, and then Steppenwolf jumps on you and hits it with an axe and like impales it. I was like, oh my god! Like I, was not, <laughs> I thought someone else would have like intervened, but no, you're on this machine right now. Uh, yeah, Flash helps Wonder Woman get her sword. He gets hurt, so he can't run fast. Not that he's doing that much with it to begin with. Uh, there's the showdown with the tank in the water tunnel. Uh, he shoots the thing. Steppenwolf grabs it, throws it into the wall. That has water rush in. They're like, where are we? Gotham Harbor. Uh, Steppenwolf bounces. Uh, Aquaman comes in, stops the water to keep them all from each other. coming through the, like, the, the water that's coming through. You see the dark little mask pass through. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just slid in. He just slid in. Um, 
from here, we uh, get a little private convo between Steffi and the mother boxes. In which the mother box, is, now that there's two of them together, they're like, wait a second, we remember something. And Stephanie's like, what do you remember? And like, hey, the look. anti-life equation is here on the planet. He's like, what? And he gets the visual and he gets to do the same uh, dirt thing that, uh, <laughs> I guess, Zod kind of does and Darkseid does. And he's like, oh, what? And he comes out of it and he's like, holy fucking shit. I was wondering yeah. how much of that was just Snyder being like, we could reuse the shot and just replace the CG of the hand. Like, we could, like, just tie the same animation to it. Because <laughs> it's like, it... It definitely wasn't the same shot, but I thought it was like a a, a cool. Andy, I'll give you earlier. a crisp ten dollar bill, and no, no, don't don't do any tricks here. No don't do any more tricks. Right. If you can see the most egregious reuse of footage in the next half of the Snyder Cut, okay. So keep your eyes peeled for next time around. And oh you tell me the damn! Most I think I already found one that maybe not have been super. It may not have been super egregious, but in the age of the God or the Heroes. what was that? Age, age, of age of Heroes. I'm pretty sure they reused the same shot of Zeus shooting the lightning twice at the ship. Oh, no, I don't like, mean that. I mean from a different movie, from one of the DCEU movies. Uh, you remember it so well, Andy. Can't I think you might, Andy. You know what I mean? You're not okay. like him. Just you, don't, you don't hate these movies and drink. <laughs> just five minutes of Shazam. Like, it was a better movie. It was a better movie. We decided to screw it in there. Um, fuck, where do we leave? Uh, the mother box teaches him about the thing. And so... Uh, now, call, no, sorry, to, to so clarify this part, Greg, because you, you know more about this stuff. So the mother box says, hey, the, the anti They both woke up. They're like, well, there's two of them. Greg, can you explain this to Nick, but can you make sure you use the word boom tube at some point? Sure. Yeah. I love a good boom tube. Okay, so Darkseid came to Earth to conquer it, just thinking, hey, this is Earth, right? Another planet, another day, another dollar, right? Just out there yeah. doing my fucking thing. Slams his axe down like he does all the time just to make a cool statement, which reveals the anti-life equation. And he, and he doesn't see it because it's too big and he's a small little guy. And then he gets repelled from the Earth, and then years later, the mother boxes are like, hey, bet you didn't know something fun. That Omega sign that he does all the time that actually revealed the anti-life. No, how, how, is that what it is? Like we don't. Did he just not know? I I would need a rewatch of this because I've only done one and a half so far. But I believe Darkseid's original intent for the dominant for him moving around was looking for the anti-life equation to begin with. So he comes here, yeah, he smashes it on the ground and finds it written into the surface of it. Yes, and the mother boxes when are they're united and awake are going to do the unity, but they get broken up before they can do the unity, so they go to sleep and can't ping back to Apocalypse to say, hey, we're here, and this is where that is. Okay. Kevin? Does anyone ever explain what the anti-life equation is? No, because it's silly. Oh. Well, I oh. thought it's a very silly Could thing of the, in the DCEU, uh, I, or DC Universe. Do you, do you not know what it is? Well, I've read that one uh, comic book that you gave me that a long time ago, remember? With uh, uh, anti-life. Man. What is it? Miracle Let's talk man. about it. Is it Miracle Man? Oh yeah, 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 Mr. Miracle. And like they talk about it a lot, but yeah, it was, it's like it's like Dark Side thing. Deceased, uh, it uses it too. It's one of the reasons that the zombie stuff happens. Yeah, the the general idea of it, if we don't want to get into it and actually get into it, because it's very dumb, I think personally, and I don't like old gods and I don't like new gods and all that stuff. Uh, what, is what the idea is that? That's Tom Taylor's DC Zombies book. Whoa, that's, yeah, kinda, yeah. that's a cute little thing. Yeah, it's DC East. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, though, the idea is that it's an equation that gives you uh, control over sentient life. Like, you can just mind control everybody. Or, like, you, you make them do your bidding kind of thing. And so he look, like, he's slowly right now going planet by planet conquering, but he'd much rather just, like, you know, say no snap and have everybody under his control with the equation, 
or however it would work in the DCEU, I'm not 100% sure. Like in DC, right, you have to see the equation to then be programmed by it. And of course, if you actually, like the, the Kirby interpretation of the equation is like grief over sadness divided by, it's like, it's an actual equation. Kirby. I don't like any of this shit. Kirby. <laughs> um, and then also, of course, uh, he travels by boom too far. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're like, sorry, I almost, I I almost so fucked that up. <laughs> I almost fucked that up. I'm sorry. My apologies. Uh, so <laughs> outside of uh, the play, the Strikers Island thing where everybody's being held, there's cops, and then there's all the heroes, and then Cyborg shows up. And they're like, we don't know where the last box is. And Cyborg is like, yes, you do. I have it. I dug it out of my own uh, grave. Like, great hole. job. Yeah, what a great way to – I'm surprised they couldn't smell it. Um – Meanwhile, uh, it's a tradition our people have been doing since the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to Chernobyl. Steffi calls home and uh, decides, like, what the fuck? Do you find the last box? And he's like, no, I haven't. He's like, fuck off. And he's like, uh, real quick, moron. It turns out Earth's the planet you've all been looking for for Fucking forever. Asshole. And yeah. decides, just, like I was talking earlier, the alien tongue stuff. And then he disappears and everybody drops to a knee. And Steffi's like, why is this happening? And he turns back around and fucking turns into dark side. And fucking... Steffi can't believe he's finally seeing Darkseid again. He drops to his knee. And Darkseid's like, this is, yeah. you're, you're sure? Yeah, I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, but, oh, I've burned 100,000 worlds have been destroyed looking for this thing. Once you what? find it, the box will come. Why didn't he know it was there, though? So, he again. communicate it, with the, the mother box. No, but he saw the fucking thing when he was on Earth. No, he, he was not too remember. small. He just set fire. He just saw fire, Nick. He was too small. Yeah, I mean, so there's a whole bunch of different things here. So for the first part of, I think I think where your question was going, my I go into where Tim, you know, did a little bit of headcanon in there. My headcanon, yeah, is that when they dropped the mother boxes and evac'd out, they whoever did it evac'd them out so far, so fast, that they can't remember where exactly they were. I think that's a completely flawed concept, personally, of everything I know about space travel. Because what I, what I was hoping they would do is he goes, know, hey, I, it's, it's complicated, but you know where you're going. You write it down. No, you, you get the random. Pattern. Pattern. fucking Jerry O'Connell sliders over here was jumping you, around. You read, what, what's this book called? Uh, the one that's 42, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Remember they sure. had the random drive, right? Yeah. It, like, yeah. puts you at all points, and if you don't, mm-hmm. like, calculate it, it can spit you somewhere random. Kind of yeah. Yeah, it's you know what I mean? Fish. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. I totally get it. But but what I thought they were going to do with this, all all kidding aside, was I thought he was going to say, hey, I found the freaking equation. And then Darkseid was going to be like, yeah, that's why Earth's so important. That's why I want this planet. That's why you can't fuck up. But it was just really weird when he's like, you did? I had no idea it was on Earth. I've been looking for this everywhere. I'm like, how did you not? What was the point of showing it originally? Like, he clearly knew. He discovered it was on Earth. He wanted to take Earth. The Earth fought back, and now we got to take it back because it's got this incredibly important thing here. But it's just, it was just very weirdly muddled and didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, I don't know. I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, we then bounce back to the hangar. All of the Justice League are assembled around the mother box, uh, and they're talking about what it is. Uh, Aquaman's not very trustworthy of Vic in this scene, right? He's like, you could, be, you could be part of the box. You could be, you know, an implant kind of thing. He's like, I'm not, but whatever. And then it was like, what is this thing? And they gave... I'm sorry. I was going to say, it seemed really, like, out of character for Aquaman to be the one to be like, hey, you, maybe you're part of this alien thing. Prove you're not right? a bad guy. You're, you're the cool guy. Like, show yeah, the cool this, guy. This felt really off to me. I agree, Kevin. I agree. Um, 
And, okay, so they go to that, and then, like, Victor's like, look, I'll prove it. It's not me. I'll tell you the history of the box, right? And it turns out that they found it in World War II, as always, the fucking Nazis who are always our problem. They always. were looking around for the stupid. You watched Captain America. You know what's up. Uh, they were looking for supernatural shit. They found this thing. The Allies took it back. They didn't know what the fuck it was because they're stupid. They put it in storage next to the Ark of the Covenant. Eventually, though, when the Superman ship showed up, Silas Stone was like, hey, you know what? I remember another thing that is alien that nobody cares about. I'm going to grab that and bring it over here and do this. And so he did that, and then when I got turned in, uh, well, I, when I got into a car accident, he used it to turn me into this, into the cyborg man. It's a change machine. They drive that home. It's a change machine. It can change, you know, atoms and uh, mat, uh, no, uh, molecules uh, into other things, and yada, yada, yada. Oh, my uh, gosh. Just the, the, like, just, they have to drive it into our brain that the house that turned to smoke they can turn the smoke back into the house, and I thought they were going to go. I thought they were going to go somewhere further with it because they're just they're rotating around the table, and you expect the next thing to be the coolest, smartest thing said until the next person says the coolest, smartest thing said. Yeah. But it's just like so they could turn it. So the house could turn into smoke, and then they cut to Ben Affleck, and the smoke. Can become the house. And then it goes, and then, and then it goes to Gal Gadot and she goes, a boom tube. And they're just like, you know what? We don't yeah. know. We don't know. Why are you from Pennsylvania? It's a me, a boom a tube. In this conversation, we bounce over to Lois Lane's apartment where Martha Kent is in town. Yes, Nick. Sorry, by the way, this is an, this is one of those instances where you can definitely see that the shot wasn't framed for four three because a lot of there's a lot of headroom in this, uh, and I think this would have been one of those shots that I'm pretty sure I could be wrong that they were going to crop in for that for that two four zero. At Lois Lane's apartment, Martha Kent shows up and walks in and. Uh, you know, basically, it, to start at the top, watching this, as, and I'm a big Diane Lane fan. You know what I mean? Like, I, unfaithful, are you fucking kidding me? And oh then her God. Martha Kent interpretation is great. Bring me too. closer to God. Wasn't that in that bam, movie? Bam, bam. I don't think so, but it's a great song. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sing it with you. Uh, when she shows up as Martha Kent, and I just watched BBS the night before, I was like, why? Did she forget how to do Martha? Because she's, she's super country about it, and she's talking about Mr. Perry, and I'm like, she means Mr. White. That's like, so I understand what they're doing. That's a weird. So when she steps out as the Martian Manhunter, I was like, ah, you fucking got me. All right, good one of on that. Of course. But everyone, you, everyone saw it coming, too, because of how well it was set up. In the, in the totally. 100%, 100%. Martian Manhunter, I should have known. This is the needs you, Lois Lane. Again, uh, Tim, what happened was they saw, they saw Captain Marvel guess? and they were like, <laughs> guess who? Uh, it's not really Samuel L. Jackson. It was so much different the whole time. We could do the same thing. Put him in there. Uh, the, the drive here, of course, is that, yeah, Lois has not gone to work uh, since the death of Clark. She's kind of lost. And, uh, you know, uh, Martian Manhunter wants to give her a push because the world needs Lois Lane, which I think was driven home by when the Daily Planet got delivered in the beginning of the movie. And we looked at it. It had a really boring headline on it. They're yeah. literally like, oh, man, this fucking guy works at this bank now. You're like, oh, what was the point of that? I think yeah. it was to show that they were like, doing their job. I think it's super. I think it's just super boring news without Superman. You know what I mean? Right, but you know what it also shows really, is like, that, you think that was the world. Purpose of that? I, I do think that it was like, hmm. man, this is a boring newspaper page, which is not. When you see a Daily Planet, it's usually something exciting. You're like, I you thought know, it was going to be some Easter egg or something. You know, sorry, I wish I could help you. You know what would have been better, though, if it had a headline where it was like, wow, the world's really fucked without Superman. Instead, it had a benign headline where you're like, do we need Superman? I don't even know. Well, it seems better. It seems like a lot yeah. of people are, you know. It seems like it's going okay. The fucking center of my travels isn't getting 
barraged with spaceships and <laughs> reanimated <laughs> corpses. This seems pretty great. You can actually get an insurance policy to build a building in Metropolis I know, now. Right? Uh, and so, yeah, then, uh, you know, it turns out it's the Martian Manhunter, who is also uh, Colonel Swanwick from uh, Man of Steel and BVS. And like, oh, my God. for everyone else? Like, this is it's, a huge it's, moment. I mean, it's, it's not like, a, I lost it, my shit when this happened. I got so excited. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was like, I was like, why is this stupid? Oh, neat. But it's more of the fact of us like, oh, well, like, they've talked about this for fucking years. You know what I mean? Like, Swan well, was yeah, but now on so real. many different shows. Sure, sure. Nick? Weird that the, this was the only scene for me, I don't know about you guys, that popped that filled my screen. Did you notice this? Mm. What sequence? The, the sequence where he becomes Martian Manhunter went, I'm, I'm on one of those ultra-wide monitors, it went all ultra-wide for that second and then went back really? to 4.3. It's very weird, yeah. I don't know why. That's I'm here. Check it out. It was Please. just one. I was like, oh, that's cool. The rest of the movie is going to be in this now. I don't know. Maybe this was a pivotal moment. And then the next scene was 4 3 again. I was like, that's fucking weird. No, Did you? Well, um, were you watching on the app or on HBO Max? I was watching on the screener link that we that we had. So Okay. But it was everything else right was letterbox. Yeah. For me, right now, she's transitioning. This is still 4 3. Yeah, uh, oh, that's weird. Man, he looks so fucking bad, dude. His face. Like, he looks like oh, a sure. disease. I, I don't remember the name of it, Kevin. You can help me out here. Um, but the one where like your, the, the people's eyes look like like bloody, like skin kind of. Tryptophobia, not tryptophobia. Triactic. I'll figure it out. It doesn't matter. But I, I, when Martian Manhunter came up, I was like, God fucking bless you, Zack Snyder. Like, he did it. just when you think that it can't get any more insane, it does. And I, we have. We have more movies, guys. We have two more movies, that I, or two more hours that I haven't seen of this. Oh, I'm legit excited. I'm legit uh, before, before we get to our excitement, uh, we go from this scene back to the heroes who they figure out, or they have the great line that we already talked about, right? And Flash is like, is, I, I, do I have to say it? Is nobody else going to say it? What are you going to in Cyborg make the Superman? I liked it. I liked it because it. it is this weird like thing of like, are we going to reanimate Superman? I, I like that. And then this finally shows, you know, what uh, the internet tore apart for years. When this, when this, when the, the little piece of Superman's holographic cape showed up in TV spots, people swore it was going to be Supergirl, that it was going to be all these different things. Then when it wasn't in the movie at all, people lost their shit, and that's what that was the Snyder cut. And here we are, just seeing Superman fly above the box. And ladies Wait. and gentlemen, that's the end. Oh, so that wasn't one. in the Whedon cut. That was not in the no. Whedon cut. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Oh, I don't even remember. Batman says there's no us without him. He gives that rallying speech, right? Of like, what is it? There's six. There should be seven. There's no us without him. Like, we have to bring him back. This is the way. And that's the music starts playing. That's part four. I was like, it was pretty hype. The Man of Steel theme. It it, it was awesome. Like it was hype, but also it it was perfectly cheesy. I'll say that because I. I did kind of think, like, uh, this is kind of lame, but I like it. You know, like, I- I'm okay Absolutely. with this level of corniness right here. My mistake, it did not go anamorphic. Uh, it's just the sides of the screen are really, really dark, and I thought it was just a continuation. Oh, got it. it. My bad, my bad. No worries, <laughs> Nick. No worries. No reason. Well, Thanks. everyone, this has been part one of Justice League, the Snyder Cut in review, <laughs> our second in review of the Justice League. I love it. I love how we much did we did guys, too. We're, 20, we're 22 minutes longer than the movie itself so far. Of the whole movie? Of it, No, no, just of the okay. first part okay. we recapped at first. I was like, I don't know how long we've been going at this point. <laughs> uh, but we will be back. Uh, you guys will be able to watch it on Monday when it posts. Or if you're a Patreon.com slash kind of funny supporter, you can watch it live when we record it tomorrow, Friday. Very exciting stuff. Uh, But until then, love you guys. Be nice to people.
not paying. I'm not paying him anymore. He owes me the invoices for these things, but I am the one who has to pay them. I'm not doing it anymore. You gotta be. That is the best one that that Cameron and uh, Carl Harold ever done ever. Ten no. out of ten, dude. Ten out of ten. Cameron said you're supposed to the camera, you're not getting your money. So. <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting that at all. <laughs> Welcome to Kind of Funny's Jurassic Park in review. Just to get it out of our systems here, I just want to let everybody know how much I love Carter Harrell for making the music for our intros and how much I absolutely love Cameron Kennedy for making the motion graphics. Every once in a while, you know, I work with him and we try to plan out when things are happening and he usually gets me things like a week before they're going to uh, be, be ready or all that stuff this was the latest he's ever got me one it was this morning he sends it well and he's literally it. just like dude i was just racking my brain i couldn't come up with what to do i couldn't figure it out and he's like then i had this idea and i was like if i could go from nick being the old man to nick being the dinosaur maybe we can make it work and he made it work, everybody. So good. So good. I can't, it's, it's so I can't good. even be mad at that. I just wasn't the expecting back anything like that. Me hurting my back is such a thing. That was, that was pretty perfect. Kudos to you guys. I just want you to know, though, that one's going on the list. And uh, pay back some other, you know what I'm talking about? I was just yeah. like, I, and I was like, well, I don't know where this is going, but th- it's funny that Nick is the old man. Oh, oh, the back pain. Oh, he's now <laughs> hunched over, and he's the silhouette of the T-Rex in the logo. This is perfect. Yeah, I'd be mad at that. It's you, so you, good. And I'm, Inspired. I'm, I'm, thank you, thank you so much, everybody, for appreciating it as much as I do. Uh, I texted him and I was like, "Oh my god, this intro literally made me laugh out loud." And he goes, "Okay, thank God." I was thinking it was either going to be somewhat funny or just plain cruel. <laughs> no, it's both. It's both. It's both. <laughs> Anyways, this is. Kind of Funny's Jurassic Park in review, where we will be ranking, reviewing, and recapping every movie in the Jurassic franchise. That includes Jurassic Park 1 through 3, and then Jurassic World 1 through 3, leading into the latest Jurassic World Dominion. We're going to be taking a short break in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy uh, to go back to MCU in review, where it all began doing a Doctor Strange rewatch, then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, then Moon Knight, and then we'll catch back up with Jurassic, which is extremely, extremely exciting for everybody. This has been one of the longest awaited in review franchises ever. It is one of the few major franchises that we had left. You know, we've ran out of them. We've done hundreds of episodes of this show. This is one of the biggest franchises that still has movies coming out. Um, and it's kind of the perfect in review series because there's some fantastic movies and then some really bad movies. So it's going to give us that a lot of, you're getting a lot of the, the best of in review, I'm sure, to come here. Um, but I do want to apologize to a lot of people because uh, the plan for a long time for me was this is the interview I wanted to debut in the new studio. The plan behind the scenes was to have the studio done by April 1st, which was last week. And as you can see, that did not happen. We're still working very hard on it. And it's looking awesome, but we're still a ways away, unfortunately. And sometimes you just got to deal with what life throws at you. And on top of that, unfortunately, Nick, do you have the, the breaking news that just came Breaking out? news, Tim. Unfortunately, uh, Greg Miller could not be with us on this podcast today. He was walking down the street, and a snake fell out of the sky. Just right on him. So that's something we have to deal with now with sky snakes. Watch out. If you're if you're in the greater California area, make sure you look up. I don't care what the Netflix movie just says. Just California. Make sure you look up. Just all of California. 
Mm-hmm. Some of some of Nevada, a little Bay bit. Area, especially. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the more yeah. venomous types in the so Bay because Area. Because it's hot, and Andy, when, when it's hot outside, a lot of people don't know this about the Bay Area. The snakes come out of the sky. Yeah, the humidity. The yeah. humidity mm-hmm. can force them out of the sky. Look out for look out for certain cloud structures. Mm-hmm. Those are the snakes. We're out of fucking roll, everybody. Again, like I said, I apologize that this is new studio. Trust me, I wish it was more than anyone else. But we're gonna have a great time. Greg is gonna join us next week, uh, starting with Jurassic, with the Lost World, Jurassic Park, and then for the rest of the franchise. Uh, he wrote in his thoughts uh, that we'll get to later about this one. Uh, but let's get right into it. What's up, Joe? I just said later. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, of course, this is in review. We rank, review, and recap different movie franchises. You can watch it on YouTube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. You can also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny in Review, and we'll be right there for you. If you wanted to get the show live as we record it, if you wanted to be able to contribute a haiku in review, you got to go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers, Molecule, Fargo, Brady, Pranksy, and Anonymous have all done. Thank you so very, very much. Because they support us on Patreon, they also are getting the show ad-free. Isn't that fantastic? Uh, speaking of ads, today we're brought to you by Chime, DoorDash, and Babbel, but I'll tell you about those later. Guys, I just want to let you know right now. When it comes to interview, I, I like to take about an hour to prep the show, kind of look for some trivia, maybe watch some interviews and all that stuff. I had a blast today. And, you know, Jurassic Park is just one of those movies that there's just so much stuff. And I feel like no matter how many documentaries I see about this or read about this or whatever, I'm still learning shit that just makes me so excited. I'm excited to share a lot of that stuff with you today because today we're talking about Jurassic Park with a runtime of two hours and eight minutes Despite being called Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs only have around 15 minutes of screen time. Nine minutes are animatronics, and six minutes are CGI. This means that only around 11% of the film is dedicated to dinosaur scenes. Generally speaking, any shot of a full dinosaur was computer-generated, but shots of parts of dinosaurs were of animatronics, which is very cool. Uh, It was released on June 11, 1993, directed by the GOAT, Steven Spielberg, who was having a really, really good year in 1993. Do you know why, Nick? Uh, I think he got an Academy Award, right? Somewhere along there for Schindler's List. And he, yeah, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in one year. Yeah. That's, you, so, by the way, so he said that in an interview, I don't know if you have this piece of trivia, Tim, sorry to jump in, that he was, he was thankful for Jurassic Park because he was editing Schindler's List, I think, when he shot this movie. And he was like, it was so depressing to him, and he it put him in such a bad mental state that Jurassic Park like helped lift him out of that. So it was pretty cool that he had those two projects going the same. But I mean, imagine that workload where you're like, all right, I got, I'm in charge of like making this really deep Holocaust movie, and also we have to figure out how to somehow bring dinosaurs to life for the first time in a realistic fashion uh, on on film. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, a fact I read about him that I didn't know is Steven Spielberg refuses to record a director's commentary for any of his movies. Oh, interesting. That's a bummer. He was that is. Fucking lazy ass. Dang. <laughs> well, you know what? He was also one of those, he's one of those guys that's so quotable. And he, I think, I think he's the one that said this quote where he's like, a movie, you never, you never finish a movie, you just stop working on it. And that was one of those things where like, I, that's probably why he doesn't like doing commentaries because I think he probably just looks back and sees all the flaws in them. But this is one of those movies where like, if you don't have the Blu-ray or if you don't, if you don't have access Look online and try to find behind the scenes on this. Watch the movies that made us. There's a great episode about this because all the shit they did to get this movie done was is so cool. Yeah. 
ton of cool stuff. I mean, stay on the the date there, Nick. Uh, did you see this in theaters? I did. I saw this wow. in theaters. Not only did I see this in theaters, I read it. Right. It's it's funny. Um, I was just looking up the uh, the actors and see to see how old they are right now, and the actress that played Lex is my age. So mm. I saw this movie when I was whatever age she was when she filmed this movie, which is crazy. Uh, well, it was ninety four, so that's easy to do the math. I would have been fourteen. Ninety three. Fourteen years old. Ninety three. So I would have been I would have been uh, thirteen years old when I saw this. And I was so into the hype of this movie. Mind you, I didn't I didn't care about dinosaurs. But this was such a big deal coming out that I actually sat down and read the book beforehand, which I don't Michael recommend Frighten doing. Book? Yeah, because everyone was like, Michael Crichton. Kind Frighten. of a lot for a 13-year-old, right? I went. To, I, I read Jurassic Park, I read Sphere, and I read Rising Sun. And I was like, wow, these are kind of adult books, especially Rising Sun. Um, but they were making – this was when there was just a run on Michael Crichton movies or books. So if you guys remember – there was Jurassic Park. There was Sphere came out with Dustin Hoffman, uh, Samuel L. Jackson again, and uh, and Sharon Stone. And then Rising Sun came out with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. And those are all like that. That, that just kind of started the era. Of, well, actually, I guess Michael Crichton had a couple movies made prior to that, like Andromeda Strain and stuff like this. But in the '90s, his his I think his books really kind of got hot. Andy, you said you watched it in theaters as well. Yeah, I was four years old. This was the wow. this was the like the pinnacle of everything that I had wanted at, at the time. I was, like, super into dinosaurs. I was basically the little kid in the movie. Like, I, I was reading all about them. I had, like, every goddamn zoo book about dinosaurs. I was just, like, I was obsessed. It was an obsession. Uh, constantly drawing them. Um, yeah, it was, like... It, it was like it went from dinosaurs to tornadoes with the movie Twister. But, oh, like, Twister! Dinosaurs had their had their time uh, for sure. Where it's like I I remember um, this old book named Dinotopia, where it showed it was like a fantasy book, but it showed humans and dinosaurs living together and how the dinosaurs be would be used for practical means of like transportation and construction and stuff like that. I was like, this is the coolest shit. I just fucking love dinosaurs, man. I was all Come about on. them, bro. All about exactly, them. Exactly, man. Uh, so, were, so were a lot of other people because this movie and the book generated so much interest in dinosaurs that the study of paleontology had a record increase in students and that colleges across right. America had to add more classes. That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. <laughs> Kevin, what's up? I was going to say, Andy, do you know that Dinotopia became a miniseries? I don't remember where it was on, but it was good from what I remember. Really? There's the poster. Mm. Wowee. I had no idea. I just had the I had the hardcover book. If you Google Dinotopia, uh, the third picture on the top or even like the, the first one on the second row, that's like the, the hardcover book that I had. I didn't even know – I didn't know what the fiction was. I didn't know if there was even a story. All I remember was just looking at these awesome pictures of, like, dinosaurs and humans living together, and it was the coolest shit of all time. And then I became a hardcore creationist. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, moving on with this. Uh, the movie was produced by Kathleen Kennedy. That's always fun to see her pop up in the, the earlier stuff. Uh, it was based on the 1990 novel of the same name by Michael Crichton. Before his novel was published, four studios put in bids for the film rights. Before the novel even came out, they was like, yo, people are going to like that. So let's see how this goes. Uh, with the backing of Universal Studios, Spielberg acquired the rights for $1.5 million before it was published in 1990. Crichton was also hired for an additional 500000 to adapt it to screen as well as a substantial percentage of the gross money that Jurassic Park makes. 
Co-op ended up writing the final draft, which left out much of the novel's exposition and violence and made numerous changes to the characters. Uh, Steven Spielberg received $250 million from the movie's gross and profit participants. Holy yeah. Shit. So you know what? he made he a good investment. Yeah. He deserves any, mm-hmm. every penny of that because this was an undertaking for 93. Nowadays, they could, I mean, the newer ones they can make in a, in a heartbeat. But in this one, I'll never forget, he was talking about how the thing that, that sold him on it was that he saw them do the demo of the dinosaurs. And then the guy was like, he was like, oh, it's going to be so cool, but I wish we could move the camera. Like, I, I would love this scene to be more dynamic. And the CG guy was like, oh, you can move the camera. We can motion track. And he goes, what? And so, like, if you see a lot of the CG of the era, you'll see, like, the, the shots are really locked in or they're simple shots. And in this one, even some of the shots that in the kitchen where the camera's, like, revolving around and the, and the raptor comes around, like, that shit, we hadn't seen shit like that back in 93. Now it's obviously commonplace. Do you yeah, remember, right. Tim, when uh, when we did the USQ uh, universe and we talked about how, like, this was, like, the movie that your friend's brothers watched to be, like, I'm a film guy, right? Like, I'm, I'm into Kevin Smith movies. This is an unknown indie you've never heard of. Uh, I remember having that same – feeling that same sort of vibe when my brother had the Michael Crichton novel and then having him tell me, like, oh, there's stuff in here that isn't even in the movie. And I'd be like, whoa, I'd tell my friends, like, dude, this stuff has stuff that isn't even in the movie, man. That's like, awesome. <laughs> it was totally like, oh, the book is better. Like, it was one of those sort of things, you know. Yeah, that's great. Dinosaur hipsters. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron has stated that he wanted to make this movie, but the rights were bought a few hours before he could oh. see Upon seeing this movie, Cameron man. realized that Spielberg was the better choice. Yeah, to and his career went nowhere. <laughs> his version else. would have been much more violent. He quoted it as aliens with dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh. Again, uh, which I could that, see. Cause we, I could we see talked that. about we talked about one day, I think it was um I forget what we what show we were on, but I was like, why don't we have more dinosaurs in media? Why does Jurassic Park have the exclusive rights to dinosaurs, even though they don't? It's just why doesn't anybody else attempt these? And some people in the comments are like and you just watched The Good Dinosaur. I'm not talking about fucking, like, CG cartoons. I right. mean, like, why don't we ever really see uh, – and I'm sure there's, like, a tornado velociraptor movie sort of bullshit sci-fi thing. You know what I mean? But why don't other directors – right? Was the yeah, Velocipaster, my... that's one of them. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. It's just why doesn't Hollywood attempt this again? Does it feel like – it has to be a Jurassic Park movie that be dinosaurs? Like, what the hell is going on there, guys? No idea. Is there a conspiracy here? There's a dinospiracy. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Conspiratorious. James Cameron said that uh, uh, if, if it was aliens with dinosaurs, it wouldn't have been fair to children who just love dinosaurs. Fuck yeah, we do. It's true. Yeah. 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 Um, the music was done by an American composer named John Williams, who's Never best known for scoring a movie called Hook in the okay. 90s. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't remember the soundtrack on that one, Tim. Can you sing me a couple licks of the Hook soundtrack? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hook <laughs> <laughs> no, has a banger fucking soundtrack, jokes aside. Uh, but this movie had a production budget of $63 million, which is crazy to think about how low that is for what this movie is. However, there was a lot of money that went into marketing as well. The dinosaurs were created with groundbreaking CGI by ILM and with life-size animatronic dinosaurs built by Stan Winston's team. To showcase the film's sound design, which included a mixture of various animal noises for the dinosaur roars, Spielberg invested in the creation of DTS, a company specializing in digital surround sound formats. The film also underwent an extensive 
$65 million marketing campaign. So even yeah, more than the production of the movie itself. 65 million years in the making was the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which included licensing deals with over 100 companies. Uh, and then in terms of box office, this is where it gets real. Joey Noel, what's up? Sorry, I have a question I've been thinking about since you mentioned it. Does John Williams exclusively score Spielberg movies? Like, no. Not, I mean, he, I know he does other stuff, but does anybody else score Spielberg movies? That's a good question. Well, I'm sure that Spielberg's worked with other people, like, on different stuff. I don't know, like, I don't think I mean, he's he just scored, did like, a West Side Story, eight, you know. Yeah, that's all Bernstein, yeah. but, I mean, you can't, you can't have John Williams come in and score that. That's, that's a classic composer, but that's a good question, Joe. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Really Because I feel like that's yeah. a lot of Spielberg movies that he's The majority done, right? of them, yeah, but I'm mean, like, Bridges Spies probably wasn't John Williams. I'm going to say, like, Minority Report. Wait, was that Spielberg? Yeah, what Minority Report was yeah, Spielberg. Say, what a fucking movie, dude. And it was John Williams. John Williams did Minority Report. Damn. What about Bridges Spies? John Williams did Empire of the Sun. Well, that's a classic. John Williams did not do The Color Purple. Okay. Okay. The Color Purple. So there you go. There it is. How about, How about that? Uh, in terms of box office, over a billion Dollars. Following Ooh. the 3D re-release in 2013 to celebrate its 20th anniversary, Jurassic Park became the 17th and to this day oldest film in history to surpass a billion dollars in ticket sales. It was the highest grossing film of 1993. It outdid Steven Spielberg's own E.T. from 1982 as the then biggest box office success in film history, not adjusted for inflation. It would hold that record until Titanic, and then James Cameron would outperform himself with the release of Avatar in 2009. Uh, it was also the first movie ever to cross the 400 uh, and $500 million marks at the international box office. In terms of awards, the film won more than 20 awards, including three Academy Awards for its technical achievements in visual effects and sound design. In 2018, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Joey Noel, what do yeah. you think about Jurassic Park? I fucking love this movie. This is like the perfect movie, in my opinion. This is a movie that we have watched in my family every single year on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's like I can remember. So I feel like this is up. I don't know. I think it started because we wanted to show my cousin and he was like younger than us. And then we we scarred him <laughs> for like a significant number of years. So every year we watched like a little bit more with him as he got older. Um, but, so this is up there on, like, my most watched movies of all time, probably, and, like, every time I get to watch it, it is a joy. It's one of the movies that anytime it's on TV, I have to watch it. It's just, it's so good. The story is perfect, like, a dinosaur theme park, yes. <laughs> I feel like that's, you don't have to really sell a whole lot for it. The performances are amazing. The, I feel like I'm never one to, like, notice the musical beats and interludes and how it weaves into the movies like you guys are I feel like much better at that and this is one where I had like multiple notes about like just the timing and the shots and the music like the way that everything swells together is so good and like it's a two-hour movie and it is like a significant chunk of time but it never feels like too long it doesn't feel like there's like that much bloat that would need to be cut from it like it's perfect and I wish that the rest of the movies were also as good. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I was really stoked to be able to rewatch it, and it, it's so good. It's so there's like Nedry is such a great, annoying villain character to hate. The dynamics between uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum are so like it's just it's perfect. 
a fun fact about uh, Wayne Knight there for Nedry was Steven Spielberg chose to catch Wayne Knight after seeing his performance in Basic Instinct. And he said, <sighs> I waited for the credits to roll to write his name down because I knew he was the bad guy. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Can you so imagine cool. having that endorsement from Steven Spielberg? That's, that's so come fucking on. cool. Yeah, I thought he was going to say, like, man, after Space Jam, this guy was the guy. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Seinfeld. I was like, I watched the first season of Seinfeld with, with uh, Newman, and actually he's not even in the first season. Sorry. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> Nick, what would you think? Uh, I mean, I love this movie. You know, I remember picking up the book when I was a kid. I remember, like, hearing the movie was being made, and then I think it was my mom who was like, oh, I think – or maybe I had, like, watched it go Barnes & Noble. Who the hell knows? But I remember seeing Jurassic Park on sitting on the on the stands because the movie – I think the book came out before the movie. And I remember thinking, like, I read the back of it. I didn't, I'm, I'm not a reader. Even to this day, it takes me months to get through a single book. And as a child, I was like, I'm sorry, anything good? I, I, I felt under the, the concept of anything good would be made into a movie anyway, so why bother reading it? But I remember sitting there, and I was so captivated by the thought of exactly what Joey just said, an amusement park full of dinosaurs. I just thought that idea was so brilliant. And that, at the heart, is why this movie is so damn good. It's such a cool concept. The idea of, like, reverse engineer or, you know, cloning dinosaurs that you found DNA from, from these mosquitoes and the amber, is such a cool, mysterious thing. And then, as a child, you know, 13 years old, I would have loved to have gone to this place and seen real dinosaurs. Probably would have stayed away from anything that had to do with velociraptors or T-Rexes. Maybe that's where we went wrong there, John Hammond. Uh, but this is one of those movies that getting to see it in theaters, getting to getting, I remember being caught up in the hype of Jurassic Park and then watching it and having it deliver, um, when you're a kid at just every single note, similar to how I felt with the 89 Batman where I'm like, I hope this is as good as I want to be. And you you go in and you're just, your expectations are blown away. Um, yeah, this movie was instant classic status when I walked out of the theaters. Andy Cortez. Yeah, same, man. Like, there's very few perfect movies, I think, and I think this is a perfect movie. Um, it just, it, when when Nick talks, Nick and Joey mentioned having the idea of this theme park, and it seems so practical as well. Like, it, nothing about it seems a, seems too far-fetched, and I think they approach it from a reali- realistic enough angle of investors and lawyers and people worried about the safety of it, but if we can get your endorsement, and really, at the end of the day, it's like if Sam Neill and Ellie just didn't, you know, were like, if they didn't just sell their souls to, for a three-year, uh, <laughs> for a three-year You know how hard it is to get a, a dig funded these days? It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> None of this would have happened, you know, but sometimes you got to sell out and it's kind of just, you know. Um, but I just I just love the angles that they take uh, storytelling-wise and obviously all the characters are so classic. Uh, this is just one of the all-time great movies, um, and I think now, like, when we talk about, when we mentioned Minority Report earlier, and it's like, God, the Steven Spielberg Minority Report, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, like, what what would be rank number one on his fucking list? Like, there's so many good ones. Christ. Encounters, all these movies are great. Yeah. God damn it. It's really, really good. You're talking about it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say you're just talking about a guy that defined the '80s. This is the guy that's like single-handedly made blockbuster, the, the term blockbuster, a thing with Jaws, right? Like this guy, Indiana people Jones. don't rem- what's that? Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones series, right? This guy just was a hit maker all throughout the '80s and '90s, and still to this day is making great movies. But like, if you're 15 or 16 or 18, you know years old and you're listening to this, and you're like Steven Spielberg, that guy. 
you have no like there was like three or four people that just made 80s cinema a thing and steven spielberg is one of them i would put arnold schwarzenegger up there as well as one of those guys that did that they were on like the same level as far as like owning fucking movies in that decade it was unbelievable this guy's like responsible for my entire childhood yeah uh yeah this movie's just just very 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 good um and upon rewatching it repeating a bunch of lines it's like this i had this memory or i had this movie memorized like the back of my hand it's just uh it's incredibly good um and i think from front to back there are kind of like no flaws in it i think people can point to um to the hacking scene and just how like kind of far-fetched that may be but like i don't know man i think this movie is as good as any other movie out there and um yeah i just i love this and this kind of just started the fascination of dinosaurs for me yeah, I have not seen this movie as anywhere near an adult. Like, I had only seen it when I was little. I'd seen, you know, the the sequels and stuff. Like, honestly, I've probably even seen some of the sequels more than I've seen this one, which is sacrilege, I know. Mm. Uh, but watching it now, um, fresh off of watching West Side Story a couple weeks ago uh, with Steven Spielberg, it's just crazy how good he is and how much control he has over the camera and style. Like, there's just moves you're like, that's Spielberg. You know, he did that. And what I what I keep thinking about is the word iconic. Every single thing about this movie is iconic, mm-hmm. from the camera work to <clears throat> obviously the score to the characters. Like, there is something to be said about the fact that people can cosplay as every single character in this mm-hmm. movie, exactly. and a room full of people would know exactly yeah. who they are, no matter how obscure, no matter what the prop is, like the shaving cream, like – there's just so many things with, like, those type of elements. This might be the most gift movie of all time. Like, how often do we use Jurassic Park gifts to respond to people on Twitter for any type of emotion you're feeling? And I think that that's something that's so impressive about this movie as well is that I think it works on kind of th- three different levels where there is just this ridiculous level of awe and wonder of kids seeing dinosaurs for the first time. They present that with score and with just, like, the characters themselves being just blown away by what they're seeing. You know, like, it's rare we get that type of moment in a movie, especially for for us to be able to connect and and feel the same thing their characters are. But to have that in the same movie that is scary as all hell, these same things you were just blown away by are now the scariest things in the entire world, and that's backed up with some of the most iconic sound design of all time. Uh, and then on top of that, there's this layer of, like, this movie's actually trying to say something. Like, it's not just, oh, let's put a bunch of uh, monsters on an island and see what happens. It's like there is a story that backs it up that has to do with, like, profiting off of this shit and, like, the what you'll sell out for what you believe in or yeah, don't believe in. Yeah, the commodification of that, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and all of that, and it's just, like, when you kind of look at it as Hammond being this, like, deranged Walt Disney uh, to an extent, you know, like it just makes it so much more fascinating and this already incredibly engaging uh, film. But on top of that, just the amount of lines of dialogue that like Andy was saying, it's like you can just quote and like everyone has one, you know, and like going back to what I was saying about the costuming, it's like just the the colors that each character wears, like to, to see Sam Neill and Laura Dern next to each other. It's like, it's this red and blue. That's like at any moment you're looking at the screen and you know, what's happening, who's where, and, and, like, it kind of just evokes emotion already. Uh, just, like, just any still of this film evokes emotion. Like, this might be the single most iconic movie of all time, and that's up there with 
Back to the Future and A New Hope. Star Wars and all that. And, like, it's just, it's crazy that, like, it's, and, oh, I didn't even talk about the logo, you know? The gate, <laughs> yeah. the Jeep, like, every single element, every single decision of this movie is iconic, and it lives up to the, the icons are all 10 out of 10. It all gets that mm-hmm. score where it's not just iconic for, you know, people like it or it's hype or whatever. It's like, no, this this does it all. I'll say, to, to rip off one of your points there, that's one of the things I really like about this movie is it's kind of two movies in one, right? Uh, have, the beginning of it is sort of is a sci-fi movie. It's talking about the, the excitement and, like, the, the the I guess you guys call it commodification, but, like, basically the excitement of this scientific discovery. And I would actually argue that, like, I don't see Hammond as the bad guy of this. I don't see him as deranged at all. I see it all perfectly summed up. Like, the antagonism in this movie is perfectly summed up in that one great Jeff Goldblum line where he's like, your scientists were so, like, caught up with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And that really is sort of the main theme of this whole movie. Is like, it's not necessarily science run amok. It's not like someone's like abused the power. It's how far should we go with science? What are the moral ramifications of like pushing the limits with science? Um, and he has that moment where he's like, he ha- he reflects on it for a second and he goes, oh, I know what we'll do. The next one will be perfect. We'll have more control. And she goes, you can't, there is no such thing as control. It's just an illusion and all that stuff. So I, I always love that part of the movie almost more than sort of the survival horror nature of the movie, which takes over right when everything starts going bonkers. That part is really, really fun, but as an adult, when I go back, I look forward to the first, like, hour of this movie, where they're just sitting around the the chaos theory. Yeah, the chaos theory of of (laughs) Jeff Goldblum being like, you think you can can control all this stuff, but this is just way out of your league of control. And then then that pushback from Hammond of being like, well, I've got billions of dollars, and we can control this, we will control this. And, And he even says, he's like, even says like all innovation comes with this level of like of of of, of not risk, chaos. yeah, of risk, right? And and he's not wrong, right? In order to do stuff, you have to take risks. Um, and I just thought that was so it's so cool that they do that because you can't really like there's not like the traditional bad guy like there is coming up in some of the newer ones where it's just like a bad like I guess Nedry can kind of be seen as the antagonist. Yeah, the, the, he's not really like the he's not really the person they all go against. He just kind of set all this crap in motion for personal gain. Yeah, Nick, this isn't like this isn't a situation where Hammond knows that these dinosaurs are seeking human blood, right? And we're gonna put these people here anyway because I think I'm good. It's just like he, he just kind of wants to bring that wonder to the to the big world, and it's not necessarily making millions off it. He even mentions to that one lawyer, like, no, I don't want this just to be a rich person rich theme park. Yeah, I want yeah. everybody to experience this sort of thing. And I think it's just sort of, I think you get so caught up in the wonder and the awe of all of it that you don't really see the dangers at hand because you just, they're just kind of these majestic creatures in the same way that, you know, we hear these horror stories about lion tamers and Mm -hmm. tiger tamers that eventually get killed or whatever because one day the animal just snaps. It's like, because you can't control that wild thing, you know. Right, yeah. Before we uh, move on to the sponsors. I want to go around the table. Is there anything you guys don't like about this movie? Uh, I'll start. I feel like because it was a smaller budget, I think that some of the takes, it always stood out to me, like a few of the takes of some of the acting, I'm like, wow, he really went with that take. Like there was (laughs) specifically, there's always the one, the couple scenes that really stand out to me, but one of them is when Hammond's there and meeting them in their their, um, trailer, their reactions, they kind of step on each other's lines and it kind of feels not as 
like clean and perfect as oh Lord I love it. Oh, I, I never liked that. Like I, I it and seems I love so Laura natural Dern, to me. But it's Laura Dern's reaction in the back where I'm like, I really wish we'd gotten like a couple more takes of this, and I wish we got yeah. more coverage yeah. of it because it just feels like it was the first couple takes and they just had to move on. <laughs> no, but I mean honestly, I think I think Laura, just Laura Dern slander. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't want to play into that joke because I think Laura Dern's phenomenal in this, and I think I think the whole cast does a great job. But there's just there's moments in this movie that I kind of think you feel like they you kind of feel the budget of it a little bit. Um, but but I will say on a positive note, I think the thing that stands out as one of the best things in this whole movie is the animatronics. I'm always it's always that one shot where the raptor walks up to the kitchen door and breathes, and the breath hits the the, the window. That's fucking terrifying, and you can't. It's just so hard. To, I mean, you could do that with CG, and I'm sure it would probably be close to it. But it's so it's that the fact that these things were practical really really sold it for me. I don't know. I can't really think of what I don't like. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I'll say, okay, you know what? Here's what I don't like. I don't like the sequence when they, they finally, you know, obviously it's the most magical, one of the most magical moments in cinematic history. They see the fucking uh, Brachiosauruses and the Brontosauruses and, and they, they do, they do um, run in, in, in moving her again. It's fucking beautiful. I'm like, got tears in my eyes. And then they cut to the scene where they're going back to the park. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the most John Williams Naboo Star Wars theme mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my life. It's like, it reminds me of the, yeah. it reminds me of the, you know, the <laughs> theme that goes, it reminds me yeah. of like that sort of Star Wars. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like Jurassic Park right now. <laughs> like, yeah. it feels like these are soldiers going on a mission. And that's the only part that ever kind of throws me off. Um, that's funny that you bring that up because one of the notes that I have is at the end when they're on the helicopter and they're leaving. Whatever, however they recorded that version of the uh, theme song sounds like a Richard Marks <laughs> movie. And it's just like weirdly like romanticized and I'm like mm-hmm. this also feels very weird and is like a weird tone to end on like an epic movie um the only other thing is like yeah the part where she's hacking is like annoying but I just have always hated that the way that she holds her mouth she has like her pointer finger down and all the rest of her fingers are straight up yeah like, that's a good point, like that. I love, I love <laughs> that this is where we're at what do you like about Jasmine? I don't like how she holds the mouth yeah, like, yeah, what the movie. I love it and that's like such a testament to how good yeah. this movie is that Ooh. it's just like these little tiny you know things yeah, let me jump in you know what's crazy about that Joey it's possible because it was 1993 that was the first time that actor ever held a mouth <laughs> Like, it's possible that she just didn't really interact with computers that much. Yeah. I, I love that we're getting to the small, super nitpicky stuff that is, like, just doesn't matter at all. When she is trapped in the kitchen and she's trying to close the thing and the animatronic raptor feet are going, boo, boo, boo. And it's this the shot from the ground following. Mm-hmm. And the, all you see is the raptor's feet, and it's clearly just, like, somebody's hands just, like, yeah. Kind of stomping. There's like no articulation in anything. Oh it's just, no! I oh, like no. No, none of it rolls. None of it does like anything. It's just oh, okay. like two like stumps that just kind of like hit the ground. <laughs> I think they see. I think they 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 got me with this one because that's that's one of my favorite parts of the animatronic because it stops and the little the hook goes and like taps against the ground a couple times and that totally distracted me. I never even noticed that it didn't really actually move like a real foot would. Hmm. Uh, for me, like Nick alluded to this a little bit with the the breath. Um, but one of the things I love most about this movie is how anytime I'm kind of just watching it and like, oh, I'm watching a movie, 
something will happen one minute later, and I'm like, I'm in Jurassic Park. Like, I just, I believe it so much. Mm-hmm. I believe in the dinosaurs. They do such a great job of so many things, just making this fantastical shit believable. And I feel like they deliver on exposition so well. Will there be a set? Anything that, any line of dialogue in the first half of this movie gets a payoff in the second half. Every single thing, and it's perfect. The least believable thing of this entire movie is Laura Dern and Alan Grant, the whole kids thing. I hate the What? The actual fuck, man. It is one of the most bizarre plots ever. And these two children, who are not related to them at all, meet them for the first time. And I know they're going through some, like, really, really traumatic moments. But these teenage people, like 11, whatever, 12, 13, whatever age these fucking kids are, are cuddling up with this man, and he's just, like, <laughs> rubbing their heads and shit, and, like, it's like, what's the actual thing? Like, this is inappropriate any way you shake it. And I just love that almost every line of dialogue between them that's not about dinosaurs, it's about, like, I just don't like kids. I don't like kids at all. It's like, you can have something else to say about this. And <laughs> I, that's the worst thing I have to say about Jurassic Park. I'm right there with you. I, the kids, to me, as I, as I get older, even when I watched when I was a kid, because I think, you know, Steven Spielberg loves it, and actors and directors love to put kids in the movies, because it's a kid's movie, right? So you want to see someone up there that kind of reflects you and, and how you would be in this environment. And when I was 13, I was like, cool. But even me at 13, I was like, these kids are fucking annoying. I don't like them. I, do, I don't like that they're, you know, just gives Alan Grant someone to save. Um, but again, I think it's because the things of the movie that I like most is really just the concepts and the conceptualized, like, or, or just the, the, what this movie is actually about on its fundamental basis. The, the adventure part of it. The movie, the movie to me, the adventure part of it was never really, like, the fun part. In fact, one of the scenes that I love most was when they just randomly stop and Laura Dern's like, what's going on over there? And they just sit and talk about the Triceratops, and she that's the poop scene. That's where right. she the poop. And, and, and even watching now, I'm like, I'm actually way more interested in that than I am the last 30 minutes of this movie where they're running around and finding Samuel L. Jackson's arm, like, and all that stuff. Like, that stuff, is it's fine, it's fun, and it's well-choreographed action. But the concept of Laura Dern being like, you have lilac here. And that's super deadly. And the guy's like, well, we don't, they don't eat him. And she goes, I think they, I'm like, what? I want to know more about that. Like, I want to <laughs> know more about her. As if it's a real dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. As if it's a real I, thing. I, I love yeah. it. I was, that's let, me, uh, let me drop some knowledge for you. Whoa. Whoa. Science, science, science with Tim. Tim, Tim. Uh, I'm just reading facts that I read uh, that may or may not be true. Uh, the guest encounter with the sick Triceratops ends without any clear explanation as to why the animal is sick. Michael Crichton's original novel and the screenplay, however, include an explanation. The Stegosaurus slash Triceratops lacked suitable teeth for grinding food, and so, like birds, would swallow rocks and use them as gizzard stones. In the digestive tract, these rocks would grind the food to aid in digestion. After six weeks, the rocks would become too smooth to be useful, and the animal would regurgitate them. When finding and eating new rocks to use, the animal would also swallow the West Indian lilac berries. The fact that the berries and stones are regurgitated explains why Ellie never finds traces of them in the animal's mm. excrement. Mm. Wow. Pretty See, damn that's cool. cool. That's really yeah. cool. Like, they could have just made this, like, a this, this movie could have just been a drama about these two people, like, grappling with the concept that they're no longer needed because he's a paleontologist and they have and dinosaurs are real. You could literally remake this without any of the horror shit and just put them on the island and have them have to find a new purpose, and I would be riveted by that for two and a half. Uh, I, 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 love Nick talk, I, was gonna say, I love Nick talking from the perspective that, like, this movie 
sucked because it wasn't that. Like, I love it. Nick started coming from this angle of like, see, that's what they could have done, but they fucked up. <laughs> I know. I'm sure a quarterback is. No, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is this movie is great. I love it. But I, but those yeah. are the parts that I find like they just introduce a lot of interesting ideas here that they don't really, of course, have time to touch on. But one of them is like, hey, we're I'm an archaeologist. I'm a paleontologist. I study dinosaur bones, and now dinosaurs are real so what do i do now and it's a kind of exciting concept of like well of course they need you to like go over there and work with the dinosaurs like that sounds pretty cool and then of course i will say this and one of the only things that i never noticed i never noticed this line like the 20 times i've seen this movie is the lysine contingency do you remember that did you guys pick up on this line Mm-mm. i have no. never until i was actually like watching this to take notes i didn't even know this was a thing at one point Samuel L. Jackson is talking to Muldoon, the guy that's like the hunter, and he goes, yeah, what should we do, yada, yada, he goes, we got to reset the system, and he goes, what about the lysine contingency? And Samuel goes, what's the lysine contingency? And he goes, oh, uh, Dr. Wu uh, spliced in a thing of DNA where these people have like a, the, the, all the dinosaurs have a lysine deficiency, we have to give them lysine, otherwise they die, they go into a coma and die. And that just never comes back in the movie. And I think it's what, how we explain that if they get off the island, like, it's going to be okay, but we never revisit this idea ever again in any of the Jurassic Parks that I know of. Oh, wow. I, I don't know why that, that line just totally passed Because it's, it's a one little throwaway line that they probably should have edited it out because it didn't need to be in the movie, but it's, it's just very – I'm like, whoa, that's kind Is of it, a fucking heavy idea. Like, you can kill all these animals just by, not, just by not giving them this one amino acid? That sucks. Immediately, I thought it was maybe one of those lines that happens where, like, where they're over the raptor pit talking to each other. And you're just and there's like different conversations happening at once. And yeah, so and they're distracted by everything happening. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh, by the way, the Raptor Pit. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jim. We'll get to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll get to a lot of stuff when we get to the plot. But before we get to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. You've got back-to-back meetings, errands to run, and chores to take care of. What's the secret to clearing your to-do list? A little help from DoorDash. You can get dinner, household essentials, and everything on your grocery list delivered. I'm going to pause the ad and tell you, ladies and gentlemen, how do I know so much about DoorDash? I used it this morning. I woke up. I had to get the house ready. I had this guy coming to work on the garage. I had the nanny coming over. We had no clean bottles. I cleaned the bottles and everything. And I was like, I'm hungry and I need coffee and I don't have time to make either. I door dashed uh, Jen and I some breakfast today. It was great. When I was sick last week, I door dashed Gatorade because I wasn't about to go out. Door dash is great. Back to what they wrote. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code KINDAFUNNY. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code KINDAFUNNY. Don't forget, that's code KINDAFUNNY for 25% off your first order with DoorDash, subject to change, terms apply. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I took three years of French, and guess what? It didn't stick. Now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that's pulled more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively easy and fun way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or just have some free time, Babbel teaches you bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually want to use in the real world. Uh, je parle un peu français, and I was talking to Jen's mom here and there about little things. Mon chapeau, you know what it's about. Other language learning 
have to use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. I can use that for English. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash kindoffunny. That's babbel.com slash kindoffunny for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. No one likes waiting on a paycheck, especially when you got bills due. Good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about your money situation. But Chime is more than just getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. Get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. Get started at Chime.com slash KFGames. That's Chime.com slash KFGames. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank and Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depend on the payer. Andy. It's time for the, and it's time for the plot. Nick, say the plot. It's time for the plot. There are dinosaurs. Just made that up right now, everybody. That was wow. <laughs> no, Nailed it. Good. <laughs> I, 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 I finished the synopsis of this movie a little too late last night, but I was going to write my own song about how Andy never uh, invites me to his birthday parties. Hey, Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's scary in the dark, Tim. Life. Uh, uh, uh. Wow. Ah, uh, uh, it was either gonna be uh, that or where's the goat? Where's the goat? <laughs> that was my second favorite line of this whole movie. <laughs> Something big is moving through the jungle, and honestly, this is another one of those moments where I'm like, I never noticed this shot before. But he's so good at like at, at his trade at this point in his career that Steven Spielberg totally trips you out. You think it's a dinosaur coming through the bushes, but it's not. It is in fact a cage carrying Velociraptor uh, coming through the the palm trees uh, on a uh, forklift. And we are on Isla Nublar. Uh, love how this is shot. Love this whole thing here. Uh, you think it's a big dinosaur? No, it's a Velociraptor. Which let me tell you one thing right now, guys. Right off, right off the bat, you're making Jurassic Park, Tim. What's your first, what's your go-to dinosaur that you want to make that kids want to come see? What do you think? The T-Rex, the T-Rex, T-Rex right? Yeah. Do we even know what a Velociraptor was before this movie? I had no idea. I didn't why? Know. But why in God? Well, of course, because you're, you're a fundamentalist. You're, what, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things like the only be- unbelievable thing about this movie is that they were like let's breed velociraptors be- the, the the most dangerous fucking animal on the planet let's breed them so kids can come watch them tear apart a cow but which you can't even so see because cool. they decided in the velociraptor pit to put so many trees you can't see these deadly fucking 60 mile an hour Sea sharks, or, or land sharks. You can't see these things anywhere. But anyway, I digress. Shoot her! In reality. Shoot her! Oh my god, man. I'll never forget in, that. In reality, oh, the, the velociraptors were actually like a third the size they are in the movie. They're that significantly makes, That's still scary. Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Steven Spielberg was saying a whole bunch of things where he wanted to make them like taller uh to be like more scary and like he was like you know what we're playing with all the the, yeah. the real shit of this like these things need to be a very specific cause and it was just like the one thing that i wanted to maintain is i wanted them to move like chickens so when they moved their heads and stuff it was like very like jerky and like jolting and like off like off-putting and, and, and awesome. 
And luckily, he didn't give him feathers. Thank God. Thank God. I'm, I'm, I'm just a man of honor, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> man of righteousness. Hey, man. Muldoon orders the gates raised, which a worker does by hand. Spare no expense, my ass. Uh, the cage gets jostled, and Muldoon locks eyes with the rafter as it tears the worker apart and drags him into the pen for dinner. The, next the shot day, of, his, of his body just kind of going up, and it's like, it's just like so otherworldly feeling, you know? I'll tell you what I fucking hate, and I, here's another thing I don't like. Drop it, Andy. Holding his hand in between his arm like that. Uh. <laughs> like, holding his arm as if he's holding his head in a headlock. I hated that he was holding his arm that way. No, like, why? Like, I just, that's another thing that bothered me. I don't know why. It's so stupid, but, it like. It seems like this doesn't have a great grip strength. No, Joe, not at all. Compared to your fucking biceps that are going to completely clamp around this guy's arm. That's, like, such an easily slippable. When the arm slips through, I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Like, yeah. a, a child could have been pulling this man through there, and it w- would have pulled through, much less a velociraptor. Steven Spielberg, fucking get out of here. Let's be honest. At this point, if you saw me get dragged into that pen, how hard would you fight versus, like, w- what if I get dragged into that pen, too? That's the cost-benefit mm. analysis that you're, you're weighing in your brain as you're trying to save me, as I'm clearly dead. Once the guy got dragged into the pen, I was like, we got to call his, his wife and kids. He's There's not nothing left, no. like, on your bottom no. half. No. Yeah. No. He's getting torn apart. Even if you manage to pull that out, you're getting half a torso of that. Yeah. Um, I would just like to start a list uh, so we can figure out what the most gruesome dinosaur-related deaths in this movie is. What do we, got I call some, it, we got some banger ones. Um, we do name so for the segment. Andy, this is your chomp, thing. Chomp. <laughs> dinosaur death. Which death is the best? <laughs> oh, <Okay>. no. <laughs> no it's like, it's like that. best with a list, everybody. Yep, that was yep. good. Uh, the next day, Gennaro, Donald, I'm um, Donald Gennaro heads to Mano de Dios Amber Mine, where he meets with the bad guy like in clear and present danger. Uh, we get some exposition about lawsuits the investors are uh, uh, going through, uh, about, about safety inspections on the site. And he goes, if two experts sign off on the island, the investors will sign off. They already have uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, but he's too sensual, too steamy, <laughs> too chesty. They want Dr. Alan Grant. But too chesty is what you went with. There's no, you know, let's call this right now. I was going to wait, but we can just talk about it. Okay. There is no fucking reason why his shirt needs to be open for the entire last half of this movie. Yeah. Sorry, get out there. There's no reason for that. That's a, that is a, that was not in the script. That is 100% a Jeff Goldblum ad lib yeah. for it. And honestly, we should be thankful for it. Yeah. We, we are. should. We he's, are. A, he's a blessing. Uh, but the bad guy from Clear and Present Danger knows that Alan Grant won't go for it. And he goes, why not? He goes, because Grant's a digger. He's like me. He's a digger. And he says that as he pulls a giant rock of amber out with a mosquito in the middle, which is foreshadowing for later. We cut over to Dr. Alan Grant's camp, the Badlands near Snakewater, Montana. Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler are using radar to image bones in the ground while a group of tourists walk or watch. They find a velociraptor. Uh, which is a dinosaur I'd never heard of but quickly became very popular. Grant tells the group of tourists that raptors are birds and Pluto isn't a planet. <sighs> I hate my life. Then we get the best scene out of any fucking movie in the 90s ever. This little shit. This little fucking this little <laughs> shit. piece of shit that dressed exactly like me and kind of looked like me when I was that age. Steps up and he's like, those things don't look scary at all. It's more and like a six foot turkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And let me tell you, Show man, fucking respect, okay? He just utterly 
fucking eviscerates this kid. Yeah. He says, the point is, you're alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try and show a little respect. And this kid runs off and just pees his pants but and also, never thinks about dinosaurs again. Also, who's this or, kid there with? His parents. Who are his parents? The young couple behind him, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It just seems weird that this kid's here. <laughs> like, there's like other well, tourists, group, right? Group of tourists. Yeah, all yeah, the people, I guess so. all the people watching that are there. It's it, it's confusing because everyone's dressed exactly like Alan. They're all dressed in like the little short shorts and the, and the hiking boots, but a lot of them are supposed to be tourists. I, think. I, I I will say, Nick, the the scene that we get later where where Grant does eventually fly down, and it's the sequence that you don't you mentioned that you kind of didn't like the take of. Um, I feel like that take is very similar to. The direction that was given, I don't even know if it felt like an improv moment where he touches the top of the monitor and it, it screams and he's like, oh, and, mm-hmm. and Ellie's like, oh, he's bad with computers. Like, it. it seems like yeah. such a natural little thing that doesn't service the plot in any way. It doesn't like do anything for the story. It's just a cute little back and forth. And that's how I also kind of read that moment in the room with, uh, with Dr. Grant or no, what, um, is that what Hammond. Hammond. Um, yeah, that that's kind of like the same vibe that I got in that room with Hammond, the same vibe where they're above the Velociraptor nest, and that all seems kind of like these are just conversations happening. It just seems like a natural little take, and that's it, it doesn't seem like overly produced in a way, which I really like. Yeah, it's just that Steven Spielberg's sort of style is overly produced. And so to have scenes kind of play out a little bit looser always kind of stuck out to me because everything else in this movie is like – like Spielberg, so you guys know – He's one of those guys that, like, plans his shots perfectly. He doesn't shoot what we would traditionally say for coverage. Like, he doesn't shoot, like, a wide and then come in for close-ups. He usually plans the shots, like, perfectly, and he gets exactly what he needs. So this the, the shot that's coming up next is always kind of weird because it's just a wide shot and then slowly kind of dollies, and then we go in for coverage. And it's like it feels like he just didn't have enough time to really make something special out of this. And the moment kind of gets lost on me because you're supposed to be very excited for these people, but... You know, uh, uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern just kind of, they kind of overplay it a little bit. And then I'm like, I wish we just had a couple more takes on that. It's just it's just my own little bias on that one. I just, the scene sort of stuck out as a little bit sloppy. But it doesn't matter. Uh, you said that this kid probably never thought about dinosaurs again, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's a chance that that is true. But there's also another chance. Joey, you're shaking your head. What are you shaking your head at? There's no way this kid never thought about dinosaurs again. He felt, he couldn't sleep every night thinking <laughs> about the Velociraptor ripping open his ripping stomach, his stomach and his bowel pouring while out. he's alive. Yeah. yeah. There is a very popular fan theory that the boy who gets scared by Alan for scoffing at the Velociraptor in the Utah scene is a young Owen Grady from Jurassic World. No. Owen oh. Grady. Chris Pratt. Get the fuck now, out of here. Oh, we'll God. see. We'll see. I have a feeling on June 10th, 2022, we might get confirmation one way or another. I hope hope not. Let's get another variant going, everybody. Get out of here. Like a non-deadly one, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's let's just punt that down the road. Uh, Going through just some fun things, talking about uh, Ellie Sattler and uh, Dr. Grant here, some different actors that that did screen tests for this movie that did not get a part. Oh, I love these stories. Um, Me too, and there's some fun ones here. So Kurt Russell and William Hurt. (laughs) were both considered for the role of Dr. Grant, but were ultimately rejected as their salary requests were too exorbitant. Great word. Um, Then for the role of Ian Malcolm, who could it have been instead of Jeff Goldblum, Michael Keaton, Bruce Campbell, 
Bruce Campbell, whatever. Oh. Johnny Depp, Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, and Goot. Michael J. Fox, all yeah. screen tested. For the role of the <laughs> the Gutnik, that's what you're going with. The Goot. I think Ted Danson would have had the same like swagger. Or it's like the closest. Back then. Yeah. You know, you just there's a moment. We're getting real close to a three minute baby reunion with all of these casting <laughs> options too. By the way, we should do that and review one of these days. And then uh, the last the last one I got for you here is uh, Ellie Sattler. Uh, people that did screen tests for that included Renee Zellweger, awesome. Kim Raver, who I don't know who that is. Kim Raver. Kim Raver, I don't know the name. I'll Google it. Kevin Graham. Uh, Mariska Hargitay. Yeah. Yes. SVU. Seemed like way too young for that at that time, though. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Lisa Rinna. Of Real Housewives. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What could have been, everybody? What could have been? I can't see anyone but Laura Dern in this role. I know, right? (laughs) Same with all these characters. I mean, I think Sam Neill has played it so well as well as kind of reserved Alan Grant, kind of of mean at some point. But there's a moment when they, they pull off the road, and I didn't write this in the script, in the synopsis, but they pull off the road to go look at the Triceratops poop, and... Ian Malcolm takes off – Jeff Goldblum has taken off his jacket, and he's got his sleeves rolled up, and he swaggers up to this dinosaur like it is a, a, a singles bar, and he's about to hit on everyone in it. It is so ridiculous. Like, he's so ridiculously over the top in this movie that you can't help but love him. But I digress. Uh, Hammond offers them the deal. As they walk into the trailer, he's popping bottles while he's in the VIP room. He offers them the deal. They come sign off on his park, and he'll fully fund their dig for another three years. And they're like, I used to have principles, but money <laughs> makes everyone throw those out the window. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, but you know who this movie could really use, ladies and gentlemen? Newman. That's right. We cut over to South America uh, and Nedry is meeting with Dawson. And you got, let's stop right here. Because everyone always talks about your Jeff Goldblum's, right? They always talk about your Laura Derns. I always talk about this and that and that. Wayne Knight... <laughs> Is the best part of this movie by far until Samuel L. Jackson gets on screen. Thank you. Until he gets on screen. But up until this point, Wayne Knight, I love this fucking scene because he's like Dawson. He goes, Don't use my name. He goes, Dawson, Dawson, we got Dawson over here. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. (laughs) And he just laughs his way through this whole scene. And of course, uh, we set up at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at East Dock. The plan will be in place. I got an 18 minute window. I'm going to steal all these samples for you and stick it in the Barbasol bottle. And for a while, my dad used to have that bottle. And I always thought, that's so cool. That'd be so cool. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> I mean, that like I, that iconic like we use laugh he does, and and we kind of get, are getting more of an angle of what the actual villain is trying to do because it mm-hmm. seems like uh, this guy's a competitor to Hammond and Ingen, which is uh, do we even know they're Ingen yet? They're not Ingen yet. No. Yeah, I don't think uh-huh. that that gets introduced. Like I think actually after this whole series. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Newman's plan was going to be here, though, because Nedry's like, I'm going to steal basically millions of dollars worth of research, give it to you. And how is he? Was he planning on going back to work? or was How he was he not getting, planning on getting caught? That's, yeah, that's a good point. Caught. Because, yeah. like I said in the beginning of this, there's only three people that work in the control room of this place. Yeah. So, like, there's only yeah. three people you could possibly blame. And uh, Spoilers, it's not the two guys that are still in the place that you would think of, right? <laughs> but there's even that moment where they're like, why would he lock every other door but the... Or why would he lock every exhibit except the Velociraptor uh, bay or whatever? And it's like, man, you're looking real sus right now, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, 
we go over to uh, to the helicopter scene where we get introduced to Doctor E. Malcolm, played by uh uh uh. Oh. Jeff uh, <laughs> Malcolm, Doctor E. Malcolm is a chaotician, <laughs> which I still to this day don't know if it's a real thing. And he likes to wear leather jackets to very humid tropical environments. Uh, okay. But shut up about that, Nick, because we're about to see Isla Nublar for the first time. Better still, Tim, we're about to get hit with one of the greatest themes in movie history. And you know what, Nick? I always talk about uh, iconic music. You guys know how much I love it. You know how much I love a good reprise. You know how much I love just the music coming back for, like, hero themes and all this stuff. I really, really love Steven Spielberg just allowing John Williams to go ham and then just being like, did you like that moment? Do you want to see that moment again? Mm -hmm. What about again? What What about four times in four minutes? Like, the same four minutes. There are moments of this movie where they play the theme and they let it just keep going. I swear to God, we hear the chorus of it like three times. <laughs> yeah. And every time, Steven Spielberg's like, all right, I guess we got to ratchet up the visuals for this. Suddenly there's what a are vocalist. we going to keep showing that, dude? <laughs> it is so damn good every time. If you go back and watch this scene, this because it, it, it keeps reprising. It keeps going back over and over again as the helicopter's landing. And I swear to God, at one point, the helicopter just starts at the beginning again and goes yeah. all the way down. Like, we're going back up again. Yeah. And the editor's like, maybe we can get away with it one more time. Steven Spielberg's like, how about four more times? This is the greatest theme ever fucking laid down on celluloid. It's just funny because this is there's two themes in this movie. There's this and then there's the softer theme that comes in later, like the more delicate theme. Both are just absolute bangers. Uh, of course – Two Jeeps. Uh, also, uh, while I talk about the music real quick, I just want to sure. give a shout-out to something that I've never really cared about but I thought was done really well in this. Like, oh, Obviously, the iconic scenes are so great, but this movie starts off with like a dope-ass synth that I, I didn't expect, and it kind of mm. comes throughout the movie, especially for a lot of the more like Velociraptory stuff. And just shout-out to John Williams getting nasty on the keys. Oh, yeah, getting nasty on the keys, bro, bro. Um, something else that I noticed for the first time in this helicopter scene that I hadn't really realized before is the other guy that's in the thing. Is he a lawyer? I never remember what. Yeah, he yeah, he's a lawyer. Yeah. I he's love. He's the one that's like pushing the hardest against this thing opening, and that's why. Yeah. When suddenly everybody's being like, "Hammond, this is a bad idea." Hammond's like, "Everybody's against me except the lawyer. What the fuck's going on here?" You know. Yeah, I just love that he is wearing a suit on top, but shorts. <laughs> and I feel like that just paints like a really good really? picture of him not fitting <laughs> it. I didn't realize he was wearing it in the helicopter. Joey, for yeah. the longest time, I didn't know he was wearing shorts. I legitimately thought he was taking a shit on the toilet <laughs> when he gets eaten. Because I saw his bare legs. Oh my gosh. Like, is he shitting? Like, did he stop? So did I. Oh, I did he's too. Just, he's just sitting on the toilet wearing shorts. <laughs> But that it is looks like he is very his, funny. He's got those big puffy socks on that people wear when they wear hiking boots. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Isn't that so funny? That's no, fucking brain right yeah. now. Yeah. He wasn't pooping. He literally just was just hiding out and sitting on the toilet. But because his legs are bare, you think he's just dropping a deucer. You think that, that is... he tried to escape from the T-Rex because he really had to poop. That that's what the, I thought when I was a kid. That's I was like, process? that's a... I mean, I guess when you got to... Remember how, like, sometimes Greg, it, like, a mist will hit him in the supermarket and he'll just shit his pants? <laughs> It's very similar well, to that. I mean, I think it was always supposed to look like that because he has the newspaper up in front of him, right? Or no. am I just being with you? Was there not a newspaper? No, there's not a newspaper. He's well, Jeff, Gold, Jeff Goldblum gets covered with the newspaper. No, he gets covered with the hay from the side oh, of the. Fucking shit! The <laughs> so funny. I just it. Like a yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, he gets he gets he gets pushed through the wall, and the wall is made of like that thick, like kind of bamboo, uh, like like, like you know, palm tree kind of stuff, and he just kind of yeah. You're on. right, you're right, you're right. Isn't that funny though? 
What a weird what the hell. Oh, my God. So, like, I never, as a kid, thought, like, oh, he's shitting. It, I thought it was just meant to look that way, right? Look at, it, this, look at what Tim just put through Slack. Like, that's yeah. what this looks like. It looks like he's dropping a deuce because it, like, it looks like his shirt is just over his leg, but it's not. They're short. A little dookie. Yeah. If you could bring up uh, at, at, like, 53 seconds, please, on the clip I just sent you. I, uh, just like Andy, just watched this movie a couple days ago, and I remember this scene looking extremely different than it actually is. Oh, my God. He's wearing shorts. What in the fuck? See? But we're not I, there yet. Uh, two Jeeps pull up with a Jurassic Park logo on them, which, if I'm not mistaken, Tim, is the same one they use for the logo of this film. Oh, shit. That is a fun fact. It goes up in most people's eyes and ears. but It's very subtle. Viewers. It's very subtle because you only see this logo 500 times, mm-hmm. but I always, I always kind of loved that they were like the logo of the movie. They're just gonna use in the film. I thought that was a I mean, great meta commentary on like, fuck it, this whole thing's just a one big commodity, and you're gonna buy this logo on fucking yeah. freaking drinks for the rest of your life. Well, that was the thing I was saying earlier is the fact mm-hmm. that I think I glossed over this a bit, but at the time they made licensing deals with over a hundred companies, which was a record. Like it was more than Star Wars. Like we we obviously think about Star Wars being legitimately everywhere, but like up until they re-released the original trilogy in the nineties and they had all those Taco Bell partnerships and like they went super, super hard. Like Pepsi, Jurassic yeah. Park, what yeah, all the Pepsi stuff. Jurassic Park was like, yo, it's everywhere. And you can even just tell from watching the the movie like in the same way like transformers is just a toy commercial uh even the cartoon like with this there's mo- there's different colored jeeps <laughs> you know what i mean like they mm-hmm. knew they're like you oh, gotta get them all man yeah they knew and it's still exciting like whenever you see them in the wild on rare occasions it's like ah it's the jeep like yeah i feel like, like they should cooler, commercially make them <laughs> it's cooler to me than like what when greg sees a ghostbuster yeah. uh or, or like a uh or like a um, the DeLorean or some shit. Like when I see the Jurassic Park Jeep, it's the coolest moment ever in my life. You know. So, uh, we all get Jeeps and get some custom painting. I think so. Yeah, we should. We should. Okay. Uh, they head to headquarters to the head, or uh, to the the lodge, I guess. But Hammond makes them stop when he spots something in the horizon. Doctor Alan Grant sees it first, but Ellie is too busy looking at a leaf, so he turns her head for her, and then we get it. The second best, if not tied for the first best movie theme ever made, uh, which is the softer, more ballad version of the theme. Uh, and man, this scene, is, this scene is the best scene. I think this is the scene in the movie that sticks out to me. And this and the T-Rex scene, I think, are the iconic moments of this film. Uh, they see, I'm going to call them bronchiosauruses, but I know that that's not what they're called anymore. What are they called, Kevin? What are these things called? The brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus, is that what they are? They're yeah. not brontosauruses anymore? No, they're brachiosauruses now. They ch- they changed our whole. Trailer. No, bra- no, brachiosauruses have this sort of the like. Little, oh, they have the, the little tall, the little fin. The tall thing in the middle of fin. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't remember. Recall whether these are brachiosauruses or brontosauruses, but I know that that's like one of the main differences. Oh, okay. So I was just a dumb kid. I thought they were the same thing, and they were changing it up on me. <laughs> uh, they see that, and everyone is taken aback. And of course, Donald uh, uh, Gennaro just sees dollar signs. Grant wants to know how fast they are, and Hammond tells them that they, they, they clocked the T-Rex at 30 miles per hour, and Grant faints, presumably yeah, because the T-Rex. T-Rex on an island that small is the worst idea anyone's ever come up with. I'm sure that won't come back to bite us in the ass in the end. Welcome, he says, to Jurassic Park. And it's a real fast moment. Good. 
Uh, then Hammond takes the team out to the lodge and shows them a presentation about cloning and the miracle of DNA, which they got from blood in the mosquitoes they found in ancient amber. Uh, and he got I just want to, real quick, I want to say uh, that a lot of this movie was shot in Hawaii, and a lot of these areas are just are real places in Hawaii. And uh, when I went to Hawaii for my friend's wedding a couple of years back, we were driving to get somewhere, and I knew that the Jurassic Park stuff was somewhere, but I didn't know where. I knew it was on the island we were on. So I was just kind of looking out, like, hoping it would happen, and it happened. And I just looked outside the car. I'm like, oh, my God. And I was like, stop playing random music. Hold on, guys. And I, I had to pull it up. And I pulled up the Jurassic Park theme. And it was the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> um, you can actually take a Jurassic Park tour when you go to that island, if you ever go back to that. And they'll, they'll show you, you all the parts of the place the movie was taken, which is cool. Uh, any gaps in the DNA sequence, of course, are plugged up with frog's DNA. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Grant, Malcolm, and Ellie decide to go off the ride prematurely and head into the lab to check out what the heck's going on. Uh, we see a little baby dinosaur. Shout out to the little DNA guy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, major <laughs> shout out, man. So damn cool. And then I love, and I love while they're in that Hammond being like, and of course we're gonna have more epic music right here, yeah, like a bump, 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 bump. But like it's like she's totally seeing the vision of it. Like this is just kind of like the beta version of what you're seeing right now. Well, it's and it's funny because like they really nail the fact that the park is like in beta testing, right? Even he doesn't know his lines, and and the, I love the part where the Hammond on screen starts talking and throws to him, and then he goes, "Oh, so I have my lines here." And before he can get his next line out, the Hammond on the film just keeps going. Yeah, he just hasn't quite got the timing of that yet. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was always all the cool little, little touches, touch. man. Yeah, uh, they go into the lab, of course, and they see a little baby being born, and it is a Velociraptor. Uh, Hammond insists on being present for the birth of every creature on the island. Malcolm asks about the animal. He's like, what about the animals born in the wild? And Dr. Wu, play, uh, Dr. Wu played by the venerable uh, B.D. Wong, who I freaking love in this movie, and just will never forgive them for what they did in this character in the, in the following movies, uh, tells him that all dinosaurs on the island are female, but Malcolm takes uh, takes him to school. Uh, he says his great long diatribe, which I wanted to write down, but it didn't. But, of course, it ends with the line, life uh, finds a way. Dude, I mean, this whole thing, like the, the D- Mr. DNA cartoon, the way that it's all handled, leading into this, talking about the female uh, situation, I am just so blown away at how it comes across as effortless, but it's obvious it was the most effort ever into making exposition fun and setting up the rules and kind of like slapping our dumbass faces just yeah. being like, stop, don't, stop asking questions. Stop trying to be smarter than us. No. Mm-hmm. Here are the fucking rules of how this dinosaur park is going to work, and you're just going to believe it. And because of that, because they do a good job, you just believe it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do, yeah, during that sort of back and forth, Nick, I think we have that, that really cool moment where B.D. Wong is like, so you're saying that the, the that females will eventually uh, mate with each other and reproduce and and – yeah, uh, Ian Malcolm's just like, no, I'm saying that life will find a way. It's just like the coolest concept ever, man. He has – let me see if I can read this because I just pulled it up. Uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm says, but again, how do you know they're all female? Does somebody go out into the park and pull up dinosaur skirts? And then Dr. Wu goes, we control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. All vertebrae embryos are inherently female, yada, yada. And he goes – she says, you deny them the hormone. Dr. Ian Malcolm says, John, the kind of control you're attempting simply is it's not possible. If there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life – will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories and crashes through barriers, painfully, even dangerously. But, uh, well, there and, and there it is. And then Hammond's looking at him, like, trying to be the mediator of this conversation and goes, 
There it is. <laughs> he repeats the same line. It's so great. It's so, so great. And, so like, good. honestly, shout out to Jeff Goldblum for that performance because I feel like that could have gotten so, like, heavy and muddled. But, like, the conviction with which he says it and his performance and, like, it's so good. And, like, you really feel like he believes it and, like, is, so, like, trying to explain it to them really hard. And again, if done, if, if this were a horror movie, right, uh, Dr. Wu and Hammond would be these, like, evil characters that would, like, try and push him back down. But they, like, listen to him. This is, like, a legit just academic debate on whether mm-hmm. or not these people should be doing these things. And even when I was watching when I was a kid, I was like, I don't see anyone here as being necessarily 100% wrong, but this maybe should be a cautionary tale for DNA splicing going forward, unless they can make you taller and make your hair thicker, in which case, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe learn how I to feel like... Oh my gosh. I feel like um, when you were talking earlier about how you don't think that Hammond is the, like, true villain of this, I think the way that you see him, uh, like, coaxing these raptors through breaking out of the Mm -hmm. their shells and stuff like that shows like the true care and like the humanity side of him where he's like no this is something that i'm like genuinely passionate about and excited about that like versus if he just like didn't care about any of that and was only trying to get the money you see that there's absolutely like he's not trying to exploit any of this. He's he's definitely, and that's why he's a character. I mean, he is, but you know, well, he is, but <laughs> but he's doing it out of love and out of the spirit of innovation, right? He was, yeah. He has that great line later where he talks about the first thing he ever did was a flea circus, and he says that was an illusion. This was supposed to be not an illusion. This I just wanted to legitimately like. He was just in love with the idea of legitimately showing people something they'd never seen before, and you can't you can't hate that character. You can feel pity for them. You can think, hey, you were wrong. Yeah. You did this bad thing, but he did a bad thing for. All pretty much altruistic reasons. Um, mm-hmm. even, and, you know, we have the scene later where he's talking about the money, too. He's like, I don't want this to be for rich people, which we already brought up. Um, anyway, for the love of the game. On, for the love of the game. Uh, let's see. Grant realizes that they're holding a, they're holding a baby raptor and freaks out. Hammond takes them to the raptor cage, which seems very, very small, very dense, and really not high enough. I'll just throw that out there. If you're building a <laughs> raptor cage, maybe make it the size of a football field with no plants in it so you can see the raptors. You know, like, they can't get out. I feel out like it needs a lid. I feel like we're a missing lid a lid. A lid would go a long way. Right? It's also one of those, uh, right before that, it's one of those sort of line delivery moments I'll remember for the rest of the time. And it's such a small, weird thing. Just like I'll always remember the teacher in Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire when he walks up to him and he goes, You guys have been to, I catch you not. <laughs> yeah, that weird guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember Grant looking at this, holding the, and, and going, you Brad Raptors, yeah, and BD Wong going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does like a weird like he yeah. kind of like looks up slowly and goes like a weird kind of evil nod. It's very very bizarre. It's, I, I suggest everybody go watch it because it's like I feel in that moment BD Wong is set up to be the villain that he eventually becomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, Grant watches them feed the Raptors with a live cow, and it's terrifying. And at this point. If this were, if I were making this movie, you'd just see like if I was if I was granting this, you would just see a hard helicopter going right back to helicopter. I'm not saying around with this. Uh, Muldoon echoes my sen- my sentiment. He comes in and says they should all be destroyed. Uh, they're super fast, super smart, and can solve problems. Also, lovely singing voices, a lot of them. Uh, they head to lunch, and Donald wants to sell tickets. For $10,000, but Hammond rebuffs him and says, this park isn't just for the rich. It's going to be for everyone. And no, Malcolm but, uh, I, I also just want to point out that in that conversation, that, that very important line of dialogue of how smart they are and how the pack leader of these Velociraptors was making the other Raptors 
test out the electrified fence mm-hmm. and they were never testing out the same spot at once because, and just having that moment of like setting up the horror for later of him going, they remember. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God damn, that is so fucking scary, dude. <laughs> like, and we get yeah. that line later too, where it's like, I, I'm, we're safe for now unless, unless Velociraptors figure out how to open doors. And then you see one of them fucking opening the door. Yeah. Like, oh, God. God. Honestly, so the most good. terrifying scene of the entire thing. It's like, oh, you know how to open doors. Dear yeah. God. Dear God, they're smart. Uh, let me get the great, the great scene where they're, uh, they're eating dinner. Um, and, uh, you know, Malcolm just lays it down again. He says, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. But then Hammond fires back, uh, with some con- condor gibberish. And then he says, uh, he, he says dinosaurs had their shot and nature selected them for extinction. Which um, I don't like. I don't like. I don't like that. That's not nature. That's a galactic fucking, uh, like, uh, anomaly. Like, I mean, like, if the world heated up for no reason and then all the dinosaurs died, sure. But, like... The idea of a fucking asteroid a coming out of nowhere, like, that's a that's a weird not-nature thing to me. Yeah, All right? But Bring it, the dinosaurs back, everybody. It's a good idea. That's like an outlier. Exactly, Joe. It's a weird anomaly. But uh, I think his point was that dinosaurs never existed with humans and were probably not meant to exist together ever uh, for obvious reasons that we'll see in the next few movies. But Hammond tries to... I agree uh, to disagree, you know. And fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what are you again, a fundamentalist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hammond tries to... Enlist- Andy, you, you realize creationists don't believe in dinosaurs. They think that they're fake. No, there's like a there's a branch of creationists I remember is on some document. There's a branch of creationism that believe that dinosaurs and humans lived together. Like that, their justification for right, finding dinosaur bad, bones yeah. was like, oh well, yeah, they existed six thousand years ago with Jesus Christ, and like they all did stuff together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, but carbon dating shows that these things are like sixty five, seventy million years old, or whatever. They're like. Nah, man, that's crazy. Let's see, Hammond tries to levy Grant for help with this argument, but he lays it down. He says, dinosaurs are made in two species separated by, separated by 65 million years of evolution have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix with each other. How could we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? I mean, for all we know, Donald might get eaten by a T-Rex while shitting on the john. Uh, <laughs> Hammond's grandkids show up, and for some reason, I know, that guys, listen. I get it, okay? No, that's with hair in movies. I understand it. I know it's a problem. I'm talking to my therapist about it. But why, oh, why did they dye these two kids' hair to look exactly the same? It's fucking weird. They're creepy little kids getting out of movies. If you you look at their hair, they're the exact same shade. The little kid, the two kids. Mm -hmm. They dyed their hair to be like a weird strawberry blonde. And it doesn't look like a natural color that anyone's hair should be. And it looks really fucking weird on kids. It the kids are redhead. Red. I, I love Nick so much. No, the kids the are red blonde. Yeah, the, the girl, kids are redhead. They're the exact same. Look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. Um, in the movie, they look exactly the same. They, they they made their hair look close to the same. The kids are redhead, and he stays a redhead. And you'll notice from the movie Social Network, he's one of the guys uh, with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Zuckerberg's crew trying to make Facebook. Look at he's a redhead his whole life. Who you, right, you Google them right next to each other. Practically the same color hair. Sure, <laughs> sure. Looking at it now, looking at it now, Lex, very blonde kid, very red. But we'll just we'll just move on. We'll just move on from that. Maybe it's my monitor. I'll take it to, oh, to, come over and check my settings on my monitor. <laughs> anyway, you said earlier, Nick, that you that you didn't like the kids. I I, I like the kids in this. Me too. I, 
I, I thought that they were like pretty funny. Maybe it's because I was a kid and I was named Timmy, so there was a lot of like, you oh, know, yeah. like my bro, his bro type mm-hmm. thing. Can you guys imagine the amount of times at a playground I go on a play structure and hold things to go like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> jump off? Yeah, that was I like mean, that was my even, party trick. Growing up, not even named Tim, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. I like the kids, and even watching them, uh, even watching this movie last night, I. I like that they are kind of intentionally supposed to be annoying to Dr. Grant. And I know I'm, I may be, maybe the only one who really kind of enjoys that storyline with Sattler and Grant kind of like, Hey, let's, let's, let's have kids in the future. Cause I, well, I, I find it endearing. I find it adorable. There's that moment where they get off the Jeep and she like tries to hold his hand and he's just like, what the fuck? And it cuts to, and they're walking by and it cuts to Sadler. She kind of smiles. She sticks her tongue out. Like, it's so cute, man. I love like, it. Like, oh, she loves you. <laughs> this yeah. is very funny. It's weird though, because watching this movie, when I watched this movie the first time, until like an hour in when they're in the car and Malcolm asks if, if they're together, I had no idea if they were just coworkers or actually together. Was See, that, am I, I just crazy in thinking that? No, you're not crazy. I don't think they do a good job with it. I think it is because of the oddness of some of their scenes together and the way yeah. that they speak to each other. I'm on the opposite side of you, but I did think it was weird where I was like, Ian Malcolm, they're clearly together. Like, right. keep it in your fucking pants, Goldblum. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think that something along the lines of these characters is just, it's a little bit weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think it's purposeful to... 